of the Mr. Barton Maths Podcast with me, Craig Barton, a show where I interview people who interest and inspire me from the wonderful world of education. This time around, I was lucky enough to welcome back teacher, author, and I'm going to say it, social media influencer, Adam Boxer. And it will be no surprise that this is absolute gold dust. But just before we dive in, a quick word from our lovely sponsors. Cue the fancy music. This episode of the Mr. Barton Maths Podcast is proudly supported by Oxford University Press and their brand new, super exciting Key Stage 3 Maths curriculum that goes by the name of Mosaic. Now, declaration of interest here, I'm actually the series editor for this exciting project, but don't let that put you off, because we have assembled a dream team of authors, which include Gemma Sherwood, Helen Constantine, Charlotte Hawthorne, and Dan Draper. Amazing. We've also tried to do something different with the Mosaic Maths curriculum. So in our student books, you'll find example problem pairs, fluency practice, intelligent practice, method selection, purposeful practice, and explain the mistake activities. And in our teacher guide, you'll find hooks, exposition, probing questions, different representations, and much more. And I'll tell you what, it has been an absolute pleasure to see the gold this team of authors is producing, and I know students and teachers will absolutely love it. Now, to find out more, the easiest thing is probably just to Google Oxford Smart Mosaic, or you can check out the link in the show notes. So back to today's episode with the fantastic Adam Boxer. Now to mark the return of the Mr. Barton Maths podcast after a hiatus, I wanted to do something a bit different. So the plan is that this episode will be the first in a series of episodes that I'm calling How To. So with Adam, we discuss how to observe lessons because Adam is an absolute master. And what I really hope is that this episode will be of interest to two groups of listeners. First, those who are lucky enough to observe other teachers teach. So perhaps you're a head of department or a coach or a mentor or someone with a position of responsibility, perhaps an SLT or something like that, or a teaching and learning, and you're lucky enough to watch teachers teach on a regular basis. How can you make that observation process as useful as possible and the feedback that follows on from it? But also, I think this um, episode may be of interest to people who are observed, which is the vast majority of teachers, right? Because thinking about some of the things that Adam discusses can really put you in the right frame of mind to get the most out of that observation process and the feedback that follows, and also perhaps to have some really useful conversations with your observer, both before and after the lesson, to get the most out of that process as well. 
So just to give you a bit of a taster, these are some of the things that we discussed. And we start off by both of us describing our early experiences, both being observed and observing others. And that's a bit of a horror show from both of us, I've, I've got to admit. Um, and then we shift attention to the, our current observation processes, focusing predominantly on Adams, but also I chip in because I'm lucky enough these days to do lots of observing and lots of coaching. So I ask Adam to separate this into kind of five areas. What does he do in preparation before the lesson that he's observing? What does he do during the lesson when he is observing? Does he do anything in between the lesson and the feedback session? What does the feedback session look like? And then finally, how might that feedback session roll into a cycle of coaching where it's a regular observe feedback cycle? And what's really nice about what Adam does here is he describes this with really concrete examples. Some of the teachers he's been working with across different subject disciplines and some of the things that he's got out of this coaching process and that they've worked on together. And then we shift our attention to some bigger questions um, about whether subject specialists are the best people to observe and so on. We, we go really, really deep on this. I think you're going to get loads out of, out of this episode. Uh, just before we crack on, just a couple of plugs from me. Um, the reason the Mr. Barton Mass podcast has been on a big old hiatus is because I've been shifting my attention to working on my Tips for Teachers project. And if you're not aware of this, if you just go to tipsforteachers.co.uk or Google Tips for Teachers, you'll find a website that is rammed full of, surprise, surprise, tips for teachers. Uh, you'll find guests such as Dylan William, Tom Sherrington, Daisy Christodoulou, all who are sharing these bite-sized nuggets of gold. It's available in podcast form and also video form. It's completely free. So there's the website. There's also a newsletter, the Tips for Teachers newsletter you can sign up for. And every Monday morning, I drop a lovely little tip in your inbox at 8am at British Standard Time that you can try out in your classrooms that week. And also the big news um, for 2023 is that now the Tips for Teachers book is available where there's over 400 ideas, and I've tried to make this as practical as possible, 400 ideas that you can read and that you can then implement into your classroom the very next time you walk through that door. So if you haven't checked it out yet, um, the Tips for Teachers book, you can just Google that or all details are on Tips for Teachers. <laughs> now, oh, actually, one other little plug, actually. Um, I've got a Patreon. Um, I know all the trendy podcasters have got us these day, got them these days, right? So if you want to support the show directly, if you head over to my Patreon page, which is just patreon.com forward slash Mr. Barton Maths, and there's a link to that in the show notes, you can sign up for a, for a few pounds a month. And as well as kind of keeping me in house and home, um, the other thing you get there is, I'm going all fancy here, you get an interactive transcript of this episode, the Adam Boxer episode, which means that if you've listened to it and you, you kind of think, oh, what was that bit he was banging on about there? You can search for a keyword, find it directly, and it takes you with a click of a mouse, it's amazing this, straight to that point in the podcast episode um, where we spoke about that thing. So if that interests you, then you can check that out. Uh, links to everything we discuss are in the podcast show notes page. I'm also planning, I've not done it yet, but I'm planning to... Um, chop up some of our conversations. I filmed it as well and do it as some short videos and they'll all appear in the podcast show notes page as well. So, so check those out. And the final, final, final thing I wanted to say, big red flag here, Adam Boxer, can you believe this? He says a few naughty words throughout this conversation. So if you've got young kids listening, 
I'd advise let's 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 do a cleaner episode of this. Listen to something like the Dylan William conversation or Tom Sherrington, who you know aren't quite as sweary as Adam Boxer is, because it all kicks off. Um, I can't remember at which point, but um, you can search for that in the interactive transcript. Just think of some bad words. You can be sure Adam says it. So just watch out for that. Anyway, you're gonna love this one. Um, as ever, I'll see you on the other side. Well, it gives me great pleasure to welcome, I'm going to say friend of the podcast, uh, Adam Boxer, back to the show. Hello, Adam. How are you? Hi, Craig. I'm good. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Very well. Um, Adam, if there's anybody listening who doesn't know um, about you, which would be a miracle, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm Adam. I'm a science teacher. Um, I teach at a school in North London called the Totteridge Academy. Um, this year, I'm doing three days a week uh, in the classroom and also working on teaching and learning across the school. Um, and then the remaining two days a week, I spend some time doing CPD and teacher training and webinars, school visits, that kind of stuff. Um, and I also spend some time working on carousel learning, which is the uh, the online innovative innovative workload reducing student knowledge boosting uh, innovative fantastic uh, online learning and retrieval platform. I love it. And Adam's going to be talking a bit more about carousel later on in the conversation. And just to keep you hooked in, Adam's also we're talking a world exclusive here. He's going to announce a secret project he's working on. So stick around, stick <laughs> around for that. I mean, you say announce a secret project. I'm going to announce that I'm working on a secret project. There you go. Well, that's, that's <laughs> all we your, need. There's your world exclusive. That's all we need. That's all we need. That's all we need. Now, Adam, over the past, we've spoke on the Mr. Barton Maths podcast about explanations. We did a big deep dive for a couple of hours on that. On tips for teachers, we also took a deep dive into mass participation, mini whiteboards, that kind of thing. But what I want to talk about today is observations and coaching. And just to give kind of listeners and yourself a bit of background, the reason I want to talk about this is early on in my career, I was an advanced skills teacher. So at age of kind of 23, 24, I was going into schools one day a week to support teachers, predominantly who were struggling a bit, and I was coming in to try and help them. And looking back, I was bloody awful at it. Terrible, terrible, terrible at it. And then in the kind of mid-stage of my career, I was very much kind of in the classroom just working on my own teaching, and it's now at this stage of my career where I find myself back working with teachers most weeks in schools all around the country, helping to support them, doing some coaching, observing, and so on and so forth. And it's through reading your work, um, Josh Goodridge, people like that, that I've really started to think hard about my observation process and my subsequent kind of feedback conversations. So I thought, because a lot of teachers will be in the position perhaps that we are, where they're either coaching or observing colleagues, but also I'd imagine every listener is going to be observed at some point. I thought it was worth taking a big deep dive into the observation coaching supporting process. So that's the background. That's that's kind of what I want to get out of it. I want to kind of get a few things off my chest and also learn from you. But just to set the scene, Adam, can you just tell listeners, what was your early experiences like both being observed yourself and also when you first went into the kind of arena of observing others? Um, yeah, this is wow. This is a good question, and and it's interesting, by the way, Craig, because the the landscape has changed so much on this. Um, and you know, I don't want to be rude, but you're a bit longer in the tooth than I am. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I started out about ten years ago, uh, twenty thirteen, 
And my experience of observations back then was, that the first thing is I didn't know any different, right? So that's an important place to start with. But I often found that I wasn't being told things that were helping me all that much. So the first thing is I was being regularly graded, one to mm. four. Um, those were the days. Uh, there are still some schools that do it, but I mean, it's to the credit of you know, people like Rob Coe, um, I think Andrew Old was involved, Sean Harford, Ofsted, um, and, and it's now not the orthodoxy anymore to grade lessons, which is like, <laughs> it's when you look back on it, you're like, that is so obviously a stupid idea. Why did we ever do that? But, you know, did it, we did, um, and we were where we were. And I was, so I was being regularly graded, and I was also receiving feedback that was, it was kind of vague um, a lot of the time, stuff like improve the pace of the lesson. And I was like, hmm. Yeah, but how? Um, and stuff that I sort of, it's not that like I disagreed with it. I just didn't really know what to do with it. Be more engaging. Hmm. <laughs> how? Uh, differentiate more. Um, okay, uh, how? Um, and, and, and at that point, again, I wasn't angry about receiving feedback. It just felt a bit like I wasn't progressing as much as I'd like. And, and the stuff to do with pace, you know, pace is a great example because it happened the whole time, but it's like, 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 it's not just about how you do that, but we were also expected to write these lesson plans where you had your minute by minute plan. So five to 10 minutes doing this, 10 to 15 doing that. And like, obviously it never went to those timings because that's completely ridiculous. Like you can't, no one can predict in advance, especially when they're, you know, 23, they've just set foot in the classroom. It's just, it's, it's nuts. Um, so it was, it, it was stuff like that. And even though I was getting better at teaching, uh, I doubt it was due to much of the feedback I was receiving per se. Um, I then, when I started, you know, reading stuff online, blogs, books, magazines, journals, research and stuff like that, I, I also started realizing there was another problem, which is that the feedback I was getting was, um, it was from like non-subject specialists and it was stuff that just, I was like, I don't understand why that makes sense in my subject, you know, and I have this like memory burned into my head of being observed um, by the deputy head who was an RE teacher. And the, he was going around asking the kids what they needed to do to improve or get better at science. This is like three weeks before, there's a year 11 class, like three weeks before their exams. And um, this is, it's one of those questions that they were probably asked, they were probably told to ask by some Ofsted consultant or whatever. Um, and the kids are like looking at him like he's mad. <laughs> he, he's, like, he's like, so what do you need to do to improve? They're like, uh, do the work in class and do the homework that Sir sets us, which is like a perfectly plausible and good answer. And he goes to me afterwards, he's like, well, you know, it's just, uh, it wasn't very specific. And I was like, right. And he was like, well, <laughs> it needs to be more specific. And I said, okay, can you give me an example of a specific answer? He's like, well, I'm, I'm not a science specialist. And I'm like, well, fuck off then. Oh, shit, I've sworn again. And I again in the apology there. So that's two beeps. Every, never every mind. time. Sorry, Craig. Um, I, can't, I can never remember if I'm allowed to swear. It's on fine. One. We'll put parental uh, guidance on this. Okay, we'll, go, we'll go explicit. We'll go for it. Great. And, and, like, and, 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 to, and to his credit, yeah, I didn't tell him to fuck off. But to his credit, I was like, I was like well... I'm not really sure how that, that helps me if you can't tell me what it looks like. And, and to his credit, like he kind of took that and, and we discussed it quite a bit. And I, I, you know, I explained to him that I actually don't think it's a good question to ask in science because, you know, if you're in like, um, 
if you're in a subject where there's like a specific skill that you can improve on that's like high impact that will affect loads of things that you do you know um you're you know, like the, the way you craft an essay in English literature, um, certain devices that you use, the way you structure your essay, you know, that kind of stuff where it's high impact and you can teach it and it'll apply across the board. But like in science, that's not a thing. It's like if I'm learning about electrolysis now, right, the way to get better at science is to learn more about electrolysis, right? But that doesn't help me learn more about magnetism or, you know, palisade leaf cell or whatever. It doesn't work across, you know, and the same is true in maths. It's like there are some things that are quite high leverage, like ratio comes up a lot. But like if a kid can't solve a quadratic equation and you say, what do you need to do to get better in maths? And they're like, uh, well, today I need to learn how to solve a quadratic equation. That's that's it's more specific, but it's also stupid. It's like what? Like it's just it's, it's banal. Right. So, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't into that. Um, and then and time passed and I moved to a different school and they were still doing the gradings and I was still getting this feedback from people that uh, I don't think understood the subject. I don't think, um, yeah, and, and we're saying things like, you know, I got observed by the head of English and she, but in the year 12 chemistry lesson, she was like, well, you know, I, I looked through the folders and I didn't really understand it, but they, they, they didn't seem like they, they were a bit messy. They weren't in the correct order. And I'm like, well, do you not understand that that doesn't make any sense <laughs> it's just completely nuts that that you can think it's okay to say those two things at once and then also sometimes i was trying you have something i think that's changed a lot over recent years as well and the, the, then the grading went eventually which is a good thing um and and lots of things started changing and one of the big things that changed for me is that i started growing growing into a clear vision of what good teaching looked like Right, so a situation where there were things that I wanted to do in my classroom and things specifically that I didn't want to do in my classroom. Um, ways that I wanted to teach and ways that I didn't want to teach. You know, so if you take, a, if you take a, a, an easy one, like group work. Yeah, I knew I didn't want to do group work, right? For whatever reason, yeah? we've, I think we've spoken about group work before. Yeah. You know, I have, you know, group work is a complicated beast. If you get it right, it works great. If you don't, it doesn't, fine. Okay? I didn't want to do it, right? Now, if someone then observes me and says, you know what, you should really try and do some group work, it's, it, it's, it's bad feedback because we're working in a completely different paradigm. Mm. It's like, I don't want to do, I've considered it, yeah. I've thought about it, don't want to do it, right? And whereas if someone came to me today and said, oh, Adam, you missed a cold call. Well, I like cold call. I want to do cold call. Every question that I ask, which is a check for understanding, should be delivered via cold call. And if I miss one of those, I'd like someone to tell me. And that's good mm. and useful feedback, mm. right? Because it's something that like, I agree with. It's part of my paradigm of teaching. And for, you know, for sort of the first six years of my career, uh, I was working in schools where, and I, and, and I think still to this day, this is the majority, um, this is a majority position, which is that there isn't a clear vision of what good teaching and learning looks like. Um, and, there's, and, and what I mean by that is we do this and we don't do that. You know, we have, so like our department, we have a departmental handbook which is about teaching and learning in the science department. I'm not the head of the department, I was last year, I'm not now, but it dictates the teaching and learning in the science department. And what it means is that if anyone comes to observe and says something that's not in the handbook, we're like, well, I'd really rather be matched against what's mm -hmm. in the handbook because that's yeah. what we do. People say, you know, you should try X, Y, Z. And I'm like, that's not what we do here, right? That it's just not the way we do it. If you've got an issue with that, yeah, we discuss that at a different level. Yeah. But like, don't go into a lesson, observe it and say, oh, well, I didn't see X, Y, or Z. And like, yeah, you didn't because it's not in the handbook, right? If you think it should be in the handbook, that's a different conversation to observation feedback yeah. per se. 
Um, and, and, you know, and what I see now is um, slowly, slowly people are coming around to the idea that it's perfectly okay to say, I think this is good teaching and this is the way that I want to teach and I don't want feedback that doesn't relate to that unless you can prove to me that my vision of good teaching is bad. Yeah. Right? So uh, I, th I imagine we'll get to stuff like that a bit later on, but uh, where was I? Something, 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 good teaching, bad teaching, I don't know. Um, yeah, oh, uh, no. Mm. Oh, yes, but what I do see now is, is uh, a, a confusion of ideas. Um, so people have got bits of the what makes good teaching, but not the overall idea. So, so for example, um, I went to a school quite recently and I was doing some observations with the head of department and the school had... Um, so this is, I do this quite a lot. Someone asked me to go to a school. It, it's, um, I get asked to do a lot of inset. People are like, oh, we've got all staff off all day. Will you come and do some workshops and lectures? I'm like, no. I'm like, if you really want me to, I can, but I'd rather come when there are lessons on because mm. I actually think it's more valuable to be getting in and out of lessons, to be getting a feel for the department. I try and get as many teachers to join the observations as I can. So we do like tons of drop-ins with two staff here, two staff there, two staff whatever, and try and build things up across the course of a day and train people on the job as it were. And um, I'm observing these lessons with the head of department and the school have given me their brand new lesson observation performer, which is it's basically a checklist. It's covered in Rosenshine stuff. Yeah. It's covered in everything, everything basically. And um, the teacher delivers this activity and the kids are doing some sort of, it's like a revision thing. They've got a revision pack and the content of the revision pack is fine. There's just questions or whatever. And, um, but the kids are working like in pairs, right? And um, I can see a lot of them are just like chatting. Yeah, they're just, whatever, you know, or in and out of the work, right? Drifting in, drifting out, dipping in, dipping out. And I, I go to the head of the department, I'm like, I'm like oh, why isn't she doing this as like an independent activity? And she goes to me, well, we've been told that every lesson needs to have some component of oracy in it. And I was like, I showed her the observation form and I'm like, but look, it says here that every lesson should have independent practice. And she's like, yes, but it says here that every yeah, lesson should yeah. have oracy. And I'm like, have you, have you been told like when you should be using each? And she was like, hmm, I don't know, not really. Um, and I was like, because some things are good for independent quiet work and other things are good for working in a pair and this is the kind of thing that is not good for working in a pair and she was like mm, okay yeah fine and um i then went to slt because i'm not a very nice person <laughs> and and uh like i think and, and and actually this will illustrate why this kind of stuff is important so i go to slt and i explain that this is what happened they were like oh, we have said that and i'm like i don't care she's smart she's bright she cares about her job she didn't understand it that's on you not mm. her yeah, it's your job to communicate that stuff, but you're just like, they're like, oh, I'm sure we have done. I'm like, well, <laughs> whether you, like, it, it's immaterial because it's not been heard. So if you did do it, you did it badly. And if you didn't do it, you should have done it. But the problem is you're going online, you're seeing all of these things that people are talking about and you're just chucking it all in. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, did you see Claire Stoneman's blog recently? No. Um, so she wrote this blog about, I can't remember what it's called. Um, I'm sure you can find it and put it in the show notes. It's about, it's about basically falling in love with ideas. And, and she's railing, and she has done for many years, um, railing against worrying about this kind of uh, fadism where we're taking like lots of different things that we've seen online and having partial understanding and just trying to percolate those through the system without establishing limiting factors, boundary conditions, 
um, that kind of stuff. And, and without that, you just end up with confusion. Yeah. And you end up with a head of department who is, who is bright, smart, hardworking, cares about her job, uh, and basically hasn't got a clue what she's supposed to be doing. Uh, and, and I think, you know, overall, I think things are better. Yeah. I, I would rather people have a partial understanding of cold call than mm. not knowing what cold mm. call is. So overall, I think things are better, but I think um, for sure there's, there's some way to go. And th that was my, that, I, I can't even remember what your initial question was. So that, that's kind of my experience of how I got observed yep. before I joined the mighty Tothridge Academy. <laughs> um, and since I've joined, T and uh, so what that means is that for the kind of six years that I was teaching, I improved at teaching, but slowly and I, and it sounds harsh, but broadly, in spite yeah. of the feedback, yeah. rather than because of. There were people who did give me good feedback, um, but it was never, it was never enough. Um, it was never sufficient. It was never high impact. So some of the feedback was just outright bad. Some of it I just flat disagreed with. Mm. Some of it I just nodded and smiled and was just, yep, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, and some of it was, was good, but it wasn't always useful or efficient. I then joined the Totteridge Academy thinking that I knew something about teaching and learning uh, and, and was very gently and very politely um, completely pulled apart um, <laughs> by my boss, Thanos, who um, I know you, you spoke to Sammy yeah. Kempner, my colleague, and uh, Sammy's, you know, there's a lot of stuff that Sammy said that's made it into your, by the way, excellent Tips for Teachers book. Thanks. I might as well. I mean, I mean, I know it's your podcast, but I can still plug <laughs> you, right? Of course. Uh, it's, you know, the Tips for Teachers is a great book and Sammy's contributions there are really, really strong. And I, I was, you know, I can't speak for Sammy, but both of us learn a lot from our boss, whose name is Thanos. Um, and, this, and, and Thanos, basically, the level of precision with which he observed um, was beyond anything that I'd seen. So he was always um, trying to get down to a much deeper level than just the surface, what's going on with pace here. It was which part of this and was too long? Why was it too long? How could I shorten it? So that's kind of one of the things that he did. Also, the way he delivered feedback was different. It was much blunter. It was much more challenging. And I imagine we'll talk about stuff like that later on as well. I then had to change as well, because not only did I have to develop as a teacher, but I was the head of department. Mm. Um, and at, at TTA, we strongly, strongly believe that the first role of any head of department is teaching and learning. Okay, so obviously, in the same way that, you know, a school has things that are the most important, like safeguarding, nothing is more important in a school than safeguarding, fine. But once you go past that, so, you know, as a head of department, the most important thing is to look after your team, right? That's number one. But straight after that, spreadsheets, exams, whatever it is, it's nothing compared to teaching and learning. That's the job of a head of department, in our opinion. Different schools, it might be different, but that's my opinion. Um, and so I'm like, well, I need to lead on teaching and learning now. So I need to sort my life out and I need to figure out exactly not only how I'm going to observe, but also how I'm going to give feedback. Yeah. I was also entrusted at that time with trainees. Um, and I'd worked with trainees before, but I guess I hadn't felt the sense of urgency that I started to feel at that point because I was dealing with these kids they're 21 years old uh, they've just stepped foot in a the classroom yeah. they're on teach first they're 
it's a big wide world <laughs> and there's there's a lot of rapid improvement that needs to be made fast because the stakes are so high mm. you know you go to a school where 40 to 50 percent of the kids are pupil premium yeah. and you put them in a class with a trainee teacher it's not okay to say well they'll get better with time mm. it, it's it's not acceptable yeah it's fundamentally a waste of taxpayer money and it's and, it, and it's a waste of the time that these children will yeah. never get back so you've got to get them fast get them better you've got to get them better faster um, and I then started relying much more on Lemov to be able to deliver communicable um, and clear guidance about what to do in the classroom. And I used Bambrick Santoyo, which is um, a book. It's called Get Get Better Faster. <laughs> Does what it says on the tin. It's it's not di- it's a great book. It's not directly transferable to our context because it's very very American mm. and it's very based on a particular cycle that they have there that we can't replicate here. Um, but I was trying to learn as many of these principles as I could to try and help these guys get better faster. Um, and that's, that's broadly been my journey. And I'm now at the point where, you know, I, I, I often say to people, people ask me to do training, whatever. And I, I, I always say that I'm probably not the person in the room who's taught the most lessons. Um, you know, I've been teaching 10 years, you know, I, I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a decent stint and, and please God, I'll be teaching for many, many, many more years to come. But there's always going to be someone in the room who's taught more lessons than me, and, and I'm okay with that. That's fine. But there's very rarely someone in the room who's seen yeah. more lessons yeah. than I have. You know, I like I said, I, I'm three days a week in school. It's part of my job. You know, I teach. I have classes, my own lessons, and I also have, I also observe other teachers a lot. I've seen in school in those three days a week, I've seen 60 to 70 lessons. Right. I then go to visit a school, and I'll see 20 lessons across the course of a day. Um, and again, that's all across the country. People send me videos and stuff like that. I'm very, very lucky. It, I love doing it and it's an honor. It's a privilege. I take it very, very seriously. Um, and it means that, you know, I have a lot of now experience in observing these lessons, a lot of experience in giving the feedback and trying desperately to figure out what works <laughs> and what doesn't work. Because I think that, you know, group work is a good example. Yeah, uh, I tell you what, let, mini whiteboards, right? Mini whiteboard is, is a good example of something that it's possible to get, it's possible to get it wrong, mm-hmm. but ordinarily it's easier to get right than it is yeah. to get wrong. Yeah, I've never I've never once seen a lesson where I've, where the teachers used mini whiteboards and I thought the lesson was worse because they used mm-hmm. mini whiteboards. Whereas I've seen t- tons of lessons where the teacher hasn't used mini whiteboards and I yeah. thought this lesson would have been better if they used mini whiteboards. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean those teachers are using the mini whiteboards perfectly and they can't improve. But by the nature of the tool. It, it just elevates the lesson in and of itself. You know, just the fact that you've got 30 students writing something rather than one student saying something, you've elevated the lesson, right? And even if you've got five kids cheating, right? They look at each other's work or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to pick that up and I'm going to give you feedback about it. But then you've still got 25 kids working on the mini whiteboard as opposed to one kid verbally answering, right? So it's something that it's, it's easier to get right than it is to get wrong. Um, group work is easier to get wrong than it is to get right, okay? And in my experience, other than in a very, very select set of contexts, I've never observed group work where I've thought, oh yeah, that was the right way to, that was, that was, that was great. Yeah, all the kids were working, all the kids were focused. I do see that at the Totteridge Academy, in the maths department. They do a lot of group work and the way they do it is incredible. But I go somewhere else and I don't see that kind of stuff, okay? Um, homework is a great example as well. Yeah, in most contexts, homework is done badly. 
yeah, you issue the homework, some of the kids do it, most of the kids don't do it, there's limited accountability, it's not related to the classwork, uh, the kids don't see the value in it, a lot of them can't access it, and their logins, passwords, yada yada. It's, it just tends to be, because you're also not in the room with the kids, right? So even if they do sit down and do it, they do it to a lower quality than they would if they were in school. So it's one of those things that it might be important, and I think it is important, <laughs> I co-own co a company that is dedicated to homework, but it's hard to get right. Lesson observations and teacher improvement, the status quo is that it doesn't work, mm -hmm. does not mm -hmm. work. Yeah, it's 99 times out of 100, it doesn't work. It's much harder to get right than it is to get wrong. And that's a lesson that I've learned, right, from the work that I've done. Uh, and, I, and I hold my hands up and I say, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, like you said in your introduction. And there's a lot of stuff that I've got wrong in the past. And I, th I think it's okay it's okay to admit that you don't have to be ashamed of it provided it spurs you on to do better next time um and yeah i've just been like desperately trying to figure out what it is that does work and how to get it to work and, and that's kind of been my journey over the last sort of 10 years i guess love it adam love it well that's perfect that because we're about to dive into your process and i'll compare it to my process as we go but just a couple of reflections on that so i'll just reflect on the kind of nonsense i used to spout as a um, as an, an observer and then some of the things that would happen to me as somebody being observed early in my career so i've done all the cliches adam i've, I've said you need to improve your pace your engagement i've, I've said it all thinking I was being useful and again looking back it was absolutely horrendous the other thing I used to do and I think this is this is one that I still find hard to shake and I'll be interested in your take and perhaps you can address it a little bit later on but sometimes I'll watch a teacher do something and in my head I'll think I wouldn't have done it like that and I think that's subtly different from kind of from a starting point of Let's think what they're doing and think how to improve that. I think that's the better way of looking at it than coming in, like looking at the topic in advance thinking, oh, I know how I would deliver that. I would use this, this and this. And sometimes when I'm giving feedback in those scenarios where I used to anyway and say, okay, well, I would have done it like this. Immediately, I think that leads to a less productive conversation than if we kind of start where the teacher's at and look to improve it. But again, we, we can dive into that a little bit later as well. And the only other thing I wanted to say was, when I was being observed, and I think this is true, still true in a lot of schools, I think things have got better, but I think it's still true. The vast majority of those observations were very high stakes. They were performance management related. There was maybe once a year. It was the equivalent to an Ofsted. It was the all singing, all dancing lesson that was nothing like your day-to-day -day thing. And still when I visit schools now, it's not the norm to have these 10-minute drop-ins. It's, you know, the, the teachers need lots of advance warning and stuff before people go in. And as soon as you've got that culture, the whole notion of using lesson observations to improve teaching kind of goes out the window because the lesson observations are being used to kind of judge or evaluate teaching, perhaps with no kind of professional development that, that follows on. So that's just a few things I wanted to say. But I want now to dive into your... Wait, oh, wait, yeah, wait, go before, for it, Adam. Before, yeah, please do, mate. Before please. you do dive in, because I think, there's, I think there's a couple of points there that will come up again later, and I just want to foreshadow them. Yeah, there. let's do it. Okay, so the first thing you said is about that kind of, this is the way that I would have done it. So... So one thing that I think we'll pick up later is that you said you want to start with the teacher where they are. Mm. Yeah, I don't agree. Nice. Um, I start with the students and, and we'll get to that okay. later on. Okay. <coughs> well, it's it's complicated, yeah. but often the students are not part of the picture. Yeah. And I think they should be. Um, and not in some kind of wank student voicey <laughs> type way. Right. Just want to be really clear Perfect. about that at the outset. Yeah. We'll get to how soon. Okay. Um, the 
Uh, but bias is really what you're talking mm, about. Yeah, that's exactly and, and part, part of the issue with the observation, and, and the reason why the graded observations had to go was because of the bias of the observer. Mm. It's too unreliable. Mm, mm. You see what you want to see, that kind of stuff. And the model of observation I've moved to is one that deliberately tries to cut that out. Mm. And a bit later on, we'll explain that. But I wanted to foreshadow that at the beginning because that bias is crucial. Yeah. I would have done it like this. I would have exactly. done it like that. Yeah, okay, well, who are you? <laughs> yeah, like, that, that's just, it, it's not what, that's not what this is about. You yeah. have to remove the ego completely, uh, both from the observer and from the observee. Observee? Observed? We'll take Person it. Person being observed, whatever. Observee is what we're on with. Um, and then the second point was about the formal kind of high stakes mm. nature. Um, and yeah, I think, I think even though a lot of schools have ditched gradings, a lot of them have moved to them by another name. Yeah. So I see some like ragging taking place, stuff like that. Um, so like one school, I saw they, they printed off Rosenshine's principles. Yeah, again, this is just so, it's just so ridiculous, this stuff, but it's happening. They print off Rosenshine's principles and, and they rag each yeah, one in every lesson. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's just, did Rosenshine tell you to do yeah. that? Like, have you even read it? It's just complete. Yeah, it's mental. Um, so I think that's bad. And, and, and I think that kind of summative aspect to use teacher language is, is so bleak. What we tend to do, and not what we tend to do, what we do is um, every head of department does two learning walks a half term. Mm. So a learning walk is a 20 minute drop into a lesson and you see three, at least three lessons per learning walk. Yep. So every head of department is seeing six lessons, one half term yes. minimum. Um, every teacher does also have one big long formal observation that is not graded, um, but we're expected not to submit a lesson plan, but we're expected to, what we, what we do is, is we tell the observer the things that they won't know. So I don't need to tell the observer what I'm going to do in the lesson because mm. uh, they can see it. Yeah, yeah. But what I might do is write down what's come before, what's coming after, and my thinking in arranging the lesson this way. So not, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to give someone a blow by blow account of what I'm planning on doing, but I might justify it and give them the things that they wouldn't know unless I told them because that's important context. Now, the, the drop-ins, the action steps from those drop-ins tend to be like relatively short-term for the individual teachers, but they're also to give the head of department some insight into themes across the department. Um, so how well are we doing our lesson starts? How much independent practice is happening in lessons? Are teachers getting in the habit of doing good checks for understanding, that kind of stuff? And then, if, and then the individual teacher might get, will, get, will get individual feedback with an action step that's kind of tends to be a bit short-term type thing. The big observation, the idea is to generate an action step that you think about all year. That is something that is this big and knotty and hard um, and something that you might need to experiment with <laughs> to try and figure out how you're going to do it. Um, and, and, and that's the idea there. Then in addition, you know, if just people wander around. <laughs> yeah, we go, we go, it's encouraged. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I've seen we have uh, our school, we have what's called a Kaizen target. So Kaizen means continual improvement. And everyone picks one thing that they want to work on that year that goes beyond their job description. So I've, I've committed, I want to see every member of staff teach by the end of the year, right? There are some people that I see more often because I do their learning walks or whatever, but um, I want to see every member of staff teach before the end of the year. And, it mean, and, 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 other, and other teachers, they won't quite be able to go to that extent because 
they have other responsibilities, but that kind of stuff, you know, you might go and observe, if you're interested in ratio, you might go and see Jack go and teach. If you're interested in group work, you might go and see Sammy or Talia go and teach. Um, if you're interested in how to dissect a text and demonstrate whole class modeling with a, whole, with a class, you might go and see Emma or Sophie teach. You know, it, it's that kind of stuff. And we all give each other feedback, it's considered a gift. Um, and you just generate a culture where the point of a feedback is to be able to help the other person. It's, ve it's sometimes very hard to bring new teachers into that. For our trainees, they're like, they don't, don't know any different, it's normal. For teachers who've been teaching a long time, it takes them a little while to get used to it. Um, and again, we're quite blunt about that. So, you know, I was observing someone um, and she'd been teaching somewhere else for a very long time in a lot, lot of different schools. And she kept saying to me, she was like, but it was a good lesson though, wasn't it? And I was like, I was like, I was like, look, I, you know, I don't want to be mean, but you need to stop asking me that question, right? Because that's not what this is about. All this is about is what we saw in the lesson and what we can do to do better yeah. next time. Yeah. It's not about saying if it was a good lesson or a bad lesson. She was like, yeah, but it wasn't a train wreck, was it? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but like that stuff is like so ingrained yeah, now. Um, and you know, it, it has to be tackled head on and, and explained very clearly. That's not what this is about. I am not judging you. I'm trying to help you become a better teacher. And whether it's you, whether it's a trainee, whether it's the principal, whether it's the assistant head for teaching and learning, every single one of us can become a better teacher with feedback. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Right, Adam, so the way I'm going to break this down, if this is okay with you, I'm going to go for like five stages and I'm going to um, timestamp each of these stages so people can, um, can kind of jump in at various points if they want to. And I'll probably chop these up into videos as well. So I'll give you the kind of five stages up front and then we'll go through stage by stage and the plan is you kind of tell me what you do and you're thinking I'll ask you some awkward questions and I'll tell you what I do and we'll, we'll see where we go from there so the way I've kind of broken this observation process down is to firstly what do you do before the lesson so what kind of conversations happen with the colleague you're about to observe what what do you agree upon first and so on secondly the big one I guess is what do you do in the lesson what are you looking for practically what what apps are you using what are you who are you talking to what are you doing how long are you in there for number three what do you then do before the feedback conversation so in between lesson and feedback is there any actions you take there number four when you have that feedback conversation with the colleague you've observed what does that look like and finally how might this observation form part of a longer term kind of coaching relationship where it's We'll have a conversation, then I'll watch you again, another conversation, and so on and so forth. So they're the big five, if that's okay. So let's well, dive straight... I can't promise not to spill over. <laughs> oh, well, I'm expecting it. I'm expecting it. All right, so straight in at number one. Talk me through it. What do you do before the lesson? Let's imagine you're about to observe somebody. Well, what does that process look like before you step into their classroom? Um, okay, so this is a tremendously complicated um, question, because obviously it would depend on the type and nature of the observation, right? But more importantly... Um, by way of analogy, and, and I'm going to use this analogy um, because it also allows me to do yet another plug. Uh, we've spoken about my best-selling book, Teaching Secretary Science, complete guide available from all good booksellers, <laughs> including Amazon and John Kerr Education. Um, and I think, I can't remember if it was you that asked me or someone else, you said, how long did it take you to write? Mm. And I said, six years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, pen to paper, about six months. Right. I first started typing about six months before mm. the first draft went off to John Kett. 
education publishers online available. <laughs> um, but I started six years before that, right? Because that book was a crystallization of everything I'd been thinking about. So when you say to me, what do you do before an observation? Mm six years I've been thinking yeah. no longer I've been thinking about teaching and learning I've been thinking about the things I want to see in a lesson things that I think make good teaching things that I think don't make good teaching so that process starts really really early and and the reason why I say stuff like that is that doesn't help anybody <laughs> right yeah no one's going to be like oh well right well I'm now not going to observe a lesson for another six yeah, years yeah. right but but I'm trying to accelerate other people's process, right? Like it took me three years to figure out what cold call was mm. because nobody showed me teach like a champion, mm. right? It's a ridiculous waste of time, right? So I'm, I'm trying, like when I try and communicate that information through books, blogs, podcasts, webinar, whatever it is, I'm trying to accelerate the, this ridiculously long and painful journey that I had to go through. It would be better if other people didn't have to go through that. But there's... It's so crucial that we put health warnings on all of this mm. stuff. Everything that we ever talk about, I, I'm moving more and more to the opinion that in general, whenever you present any kind of educational idea, there needs to be a health warning or a clear boundary condition. And, and I want to be very clear to people that the reason why and how I do the stuff that I do and my colleagues do the stuff that they do is because we thought really, mm. really hard about it first. And that by definition is before we step into the classroom. So that's groundwork that needs to take place. Now, in terms of then actually going before a lesson, it would depend on who, how, what, when, and why. So if I'm observing, say, someone's just joined. Yeah. Yeah, so we had a couple of mem new members of the team join in January. Yeah, from other schools, they're not used to the, the way we do things. So I was asked to go and observe them. And, and we do, with all new staff, we do the big observation early on. Because we want to kind of get a feel for what's going on in their classroom, set some nice big targets for us to work on together across the course of a year. Um, so obviously I went and I introduced myself in person to them and I said, hi, I'm Adam, um, just so you know, I want to explain the way that we do things here, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be observing you. Um, and we always, for those big observations, we always offer a pre-observation conversation. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll say, yeah, I'll observe you on this Tuesday whenever it is. Is that a good time for you? Like, yeah, great. Look, if you want, you know, it's completely optional, yeah, but I'd be more than happy to sit through, sit, you know, to sit down with you, have a meeting and talk about what you're planning on doing in that lesson. Um, so uh, just just that I can support you and start getting you used to the kind of things that I'll be looking at. And then in that conversation, again, it will depend on the member of staff. With some members of staff, it might be like a really niche conversation about the precise sequencing of X, Y, or Z. With a brand new member of staff, it might be, what is cold call? Right? You know, they'll say, well, I'm going to ask questions about blah, 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 blah. And I say, okay, good. How are you going to ask those questions? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you could ask the question by saying, you know, Danny, give me three reasons for X, Y, or Z. Or you could say, give me three reasons for X, Y, or Z. Danny, which one do you think is better? Right? And then it's more like kind of training and inculcating and getting people used to stuff. Uh, and that's, by the way, it's a really lovely process. Uh, it really helps with buy-in. It really helps with responsivity. And with every new member of staff I've ever done it with, I've ever offered it to, they've always taken me up on on the offer and it's always been like an enjoyable process sometimes it can take over an hour mm. i'm only going to be observing them for 50 yeah, minutes yeah. but we i will spend as long as they want yeah because it's holy uh it's it's incredibly important and why like i don't want to I'm, I'm not in the business of like trying to catch anyone out or make anyone feel like crap right like if i go into a lesson i'm like well you didn't cold call they're like well what's a cold call it's just like don't beat someone over the head with that so i want to try and get that in in advance where i can if I'm doing a drop-in, there's no warning, nobody knows, because mm -hmm. nobody cares, right? It's not a, 
it's nothing, right? I'll just wander in. You know, the moment when I said I'm observing all these teachers, it's literally a case of, right, I've got a free 20 minutes now, I've finished this bit of marking or this bit of preparation, I'm just gonna grab my laptop and go find a classroom and just sit in. So mm. there's no in the minute preparation. That doesn't mean there's not been preparation, yeah, of course. but there's no in the minute preparation. Oh, this, this is interesting, this Adam, because I, I, I do something, well, I, I think I do something slightly differently, but, but maybe I don't. So when I, so I'll do kind of, the thing I'm doing predominantly at the moment is I'll work with a school or a group of schools over, over a series of days spread out across a half term. And initially what I'll probably do is go in in the morning, watch a load of lessons, spot something the department as a whole can work on together. It might be means of participation, might be checking for understanding. We'll get all the staff together in the afternoon and we'll do some CPD and some modeling rehearsal and so on. But then in subsequent visits, I'll work with individual members of staff because then they've started to kind of go on their own journey. They've got different needs from the department as a whole. But what I'll always do before I go in, for even for a drop-in or you know, 15 minutes or whatever it may be, is I'll always ask the member of staff who I'm going to watch what their kind of teaching goal is. What is it they want to work on? And it may be like the phase of a lesson. They may say, I'm not happy with how my do now is going. So, something's not right about that. So can we focus on that? Or it may be like kind of a broader technique, like they may say, I want to work on my checking for understanding or I want to be a bit more responsive. So I'll go in with that in mind because it's the kind of thing that they've chosen to work on. Now, of course, if during that lesson I see something that's absolutely kind of more more priority that needs for me to shift focus, then that's going to happen. But I'll always want to know what they want to work on first. Would you do something similar? Is there anything wrong with that? Yeah, so I think I think the first thing is I just want to be clear that everything I spoke about was when I observed within my school, sure. right? When I go visit a school, it's different. But also, I don't really have the chance to talk to people before mm. I get into their lessons. Like I get to school at eight thirty, I'm with the head of department till nine, and then bam, yeah, we're course. in lessons. Um, so it's really up to the head of department to talk to the team first. Um, I think what what you're talking about is really um, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm going to ad lib an analogy here and I don't know, well, let, let's, let, let's play it. it out. Let's see how it works. You're talking about basically the GP model of observation where someone has come to you with a problem yeah. and they've said, you know, my, my, my nose yeah, is yeah, yeah, runny yeah. a lot. Can you please help <laughs> me figure out what the problem with my nose is? Nice. Um, I'm talking more about the MOT model okay, yep. where I take my car to the mechanic I haven't got a fucking clue, mate, <laughs> right? I just hand it over and say, can you just see if everything's okay yeah, yeah. with the car? And and obviously it's it's a thing about expertise, isn't it? Now, obviously, if, if there's a problem with my car, right? I know there's a problem yeah. with my car. Yeah, yeah. But that's not what the MOT is normally, sure. right? The MOT normally is you just take the car in and the mechanic figures out if there are any yeah, issues. Yeah. Um, and, and there's basically everything in between. So me personally... I tend to go more for the MOT thing. Uh, and that's normally because um, it's not that I'm, I am very interested in what people think are the problems in their practice, but I also think that the stuff that I look at has been undervalued, undersold, mm. underexplored, undereducated for so long that people don't even know what it is that the issues are yes. and when i find stuff and people are like oh that's interesting i didn't know that mm. then i'm like that that's fine yeah this, this is what you've asked me to come and do right but 
it means that um, yeah, it, it gives me the ability to say right, the, these these are the things that that I'm most interested in that I think are most high impact. This is what you've asked me in to try and do. Now, commensurately, there's there's an issue there with buy-in, right? Mm. Because if someone comes to you and says, this is my problem, please help, yes. it's, it's there's more buy-in than if some random <laughs> dude <laughs> yeah. uh, walks into your lesson and be like, well, you've done this, 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 yeah. it's all problems. Um, and there's issues around like autonomy and professional respect as well, which is both important in and of itself in terms of professionals deserve respect and also in terms of buy-in, that the more you respect people to, to have autonomy over their own kind of teaching and stuff like that. Um, the more the buy-in is. But what I try and do is I, I try and tackle the buy-in problem differently, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure we'll get to a bit later on. But but I, again, like we said, with the health warning, with everything you do, there's always going to be advantages and limitations. With our head of department who was doing group work instead of independent work, there well, there's advantages of doing group work, but also limitations. And what you need to do is mitigate those yes. limitations. Always. Always. We need to know for everything we do in the classroom, what's the advantage of doing it this way? What's the limitation of doing it this way? How do I mitigate that limitation? Um, And I know that the advantage of me doing it my way is that I'm A, not biased, and B, not bound or sucked into something that someone else wants me to look at. Um, But I know that the limitation is around buying. So I have to mitigate that in other ways. Fascinating. Just just to kind of jump ahead temporarily, if you were doing this as part of a, a kind of longer term thing where you're going to be working with a teacher over, you know, a half term, a term or whatever, you're going to be seeing them multiple times. Would you then switch to a more focused observation on the second, third and fourth one based on what you've seen in the first and you've kind of worked on in the feedback or would it still be this kind of MOT thing where you're just going in just kind of seeing what happens no I think I think if there were if there was something that I'd isolated as a specific issue um, like let's say I'm working with the teacher on the quality of their explanation you know, and there's no point in me going to observe when the kids are all doing independent practice yeah, yeah, yeah. right so but again it will vary you know uh, if if that's what I'm looking for if if there's something that I've identified that we've worked together on and we both want to improve at, then probably that's the thing that I'll focus on the next time around. Um, but it's a tricky business. Again, that part, you know, I mentioned Bambrick Santoyo earlier on, but the reason why Bambrick Santoyo isn't then directly transferable is because it relies on a model where you're basically observing someone every day. Mm. Right? Mm. If I'm only observing someone once every couple of months, the advantage of only giving them one thing to work on is that it's only one thing to work on and it's easy to work on. The limitation is that across three months, they're only yeah, working on the one thing. Yeah. So I want to give them more things, the advantage of which means they've got more things to do, but the limitation is it's less likely they'll be able to do yeah. them. So my mitigation is um, is around limiting that number and is around being hyper-specific and trying to get in, even if it's just for two minutes, I might ask for a video instead if I can't get into the actual lesson at that particular point. Um, so again, advantage, disadvantage, mitigation, advantage, limitation really is better words, mitigation. Um, and it will just it will vary case case by case. Uh, I don't I don't like being straight jacketed into saying I'm going to do it this way and it has to be this way, um, except in very very specific circumstances. If you're doing like very intensive coaching, um, where you know you're going to see someone every week, you know it's going to be like this, you know it's going to be like that, then you can build some kind of plan around it. But if it's going to be any looser than that, you need to be more flexible. Um, and I, I, by the way, that's where I think a lot of these um, a lot of the, like instructional coaching programs can fall down here. They don't have any kind of flexibility. Yeah. Um, and they rely on almost a process instead of the person within the process being able to to adapt and respond. 
uh, and, and I worry that it doesn't always work. Got it. Perfect. Okay, so let's jump now into what what is one of the biggest things if you think about obser- observing, like what are you actually observing? So in as much detail as you can, Adam, with this, you've walked into the classroom. But what, what are you doing there? Um, okay, so, so a lot of people when they observe, they sort of hang around at the back, they take some notes, they write down what the teacher's doing. Um, I don't do that at all. Um, I... Let, let, let's let's do let's do a scenario. Yeah. Mm. So, the most easiest and most obvious one. Teacher is doing some verbal questioning. They ask a student a question. The student gives an answer, but they're quite quiet. Okay. So the teacher steps towards the student and asks them to repeat it. The student repeats it. Still quite quiet. I can't hear what they said. So, one thing I could do is just write down, make the student speak up, mm. and we'll then go into the feedback. And I say, you know, they were very quiet couldn't hear them, you need to ask the student to speak up. The teacher will go, oh, yeah, 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 I'll do that. And then nothing will happen. Um, the other route is is what I try to do, which is I say, look, okay, so that child is quiet. I'm assuming that nobody else heard them either. So I'll go to a kid and at, at the back and I'll just say, oh, what did, uh, you know, let's say they'd ask David and David was one who's quiet. I'll say, oh, what did David just say? And they say, oh, I don't know, sir. And then I'll go back to the teacher and I say, I say, um, are you, are you happy with the fact that like 10 or so kids can't hear the conversation? And they're like, well, well obviously not. Like, well, why not? Like, well, that's a third of my class that just aren't listening in a phase of the lesson. And I'm like, yeah, that, that really needs to change, doesn't it? They're like, oh my God, yes. Yeah. Now that's an obvious one, right? But there are sometimes more subtle ones. Um, let's say a teacher asks a kid a question. Yeah, the kid says, I don't know, sir, sorry. And they ask somebody else. So I go up to that kid. And I say, um, what, what question were you asked? And they go, oh, I actually don't know, sir. And I then go to the teacher and I say, um, you know, when you ask that question, they say they didn't know. Why do you think they said they didn't know? And they'll say, well, because they didn't know. And I say, I said, no, they, they weren't listening. Because mm. I went to them and I asked them and I said, what did you, what, what were you asked? And they said, I didn't know. Now, what message do you think it sends to that child when you then just move on? Yeah to the next student and they're like oh my god and I'm like yes right you're just telling that child it's okay to just completely not be listening in my lesson I then you know that's a kind of a basic level it's about investigating the effect of a teacher action so teacher does x what's the effect on the Mm -hmm. students what and, and, and you can test that so easy just by asking yeah and most of the time I'm just asking what did he say what did she say what did the teacher say um, let's do another example. Mm. So, teacher is delivering a check for understanding. They're using mini whiteboards. Everything's going well. They ask question one, question two, question three. A lot of students make a mistake in question three. Teacher notices, right, uh, and does a reteach, re-explains question three, and moves on to question four. Now, there's a lot of stuff the teacher's doing well here, right? And and I never, by the way, it might sound like I'm like I'm critical here, yeah, that, because everything I'm saying is like quite negative. Mm. But that's by definition what feedback is it's about pushing someone forwards, right? But I would also say to that teacher, look, I do not want to take this for granted. First thing is, you did a check for understanding. In 90% of classrooms up and down the country, a check for understanding is not happening. Point two, you used the mini whiteboards. Again, in, even where a check for understanding is happening, mini whiteboards aren't being used. Point three, you noticed that a lot of students got something wrong and you very cleanly and clearly, deliberately retaught it. The basics are in play. 
Yeah, this is stuff that I don't take for granted, that I don't see everywhere I go. Well done, keep it up. But let's examine. Okay, so move that to side. So what I do then in the class is I say, right, well, they've got question one, two, three, correct. Mm -hmm. They've got four wrong. Teacher re-explained, moved on to five. What did they not do after step four? A recheck for understanding. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if a whole bunch of kids get something wrong, you can't just re-explain yeah, it and move yeah. on. You have to check yeah, it again. Yeah. So what I do is I have my own mini whiteboards and I just write down the question four on my board. I wait three or four minutes. I go to a student. I say, what's the answer to this? Oh, don't know, sir. Or they get it wrong. And I say to the teacher, you know, I, I really liked the reteach, but this is what happened. And they're like, oh, God, but I retaught it. Yeah, I'm like, yes, yeah. but you didn't recheck for understanding. They're like, ah. Oh. Now, for buy-in, gold dust. Mm. Gold dust. Because unless they say to you, no, I think you're lying, yeah, incontrovertible evidence. Yeah. Yeah, like no one can look at that and think, right, everything's dandy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. fine. No one can look at that and say that's great. You know, I take photos of kids' yeah, work. Me too. Right. If I hear, if, um, I was in, I was in a lesson where the teacher gave instructions about a the students were about to do a particular exercise, um, and she gave the instruction. Um, Tom's getting with it and then reminded them and said just by the way remember to use X, Y, or Z which is this success criteria they had it was something in psychology some success criteria or paragraph structure whatever it was and I'm like okay look it's very obvious the kids have started already by the time you've said that they're not going to hear you they're not going to be listening so I go around and I just have a look right and I'm like have they done that have they done that no 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 take photo take photo take photo and I show the photos and I say look did you know the Let's say it was peel paragraph. It wasn't peel paragraph. I said, look, you wanted them to write an appeal paragraph and you said that very clearly to them. She says, yes, yes, yes. So, well, look, did this child use a peel paragraph? No. Did this child use a peel paragraph? No. Did this child use a peel paragraph? No. Well, why is that? And she said, well, I'm, I'm not really sure. I said, I'll tell you exactly why. It's because when you gave the instructions, you told them to use a peel paragraph once they'd already started. Yeah. So they're not listening to you. You gave your instructions. You said, this is the question I want you to ask. Do it in your exercise book, blah, blah, blah. Get on with it. Oh, and remember to make sure you use a peel paragraph. Right? But they've started already, so they're not listening. There's, it's incontrovertible evidence. Nobody turns around and says, no, I don't agree. What do you mean you don't agree? Like, it, it's right in front of your face. Sometimes people do get defensive. Yeah? And, and that's where this, this like, intensive evidence gathering mm. process comes in. Because you can have, this is spicy. Yeah, yeah? This yeah. Is, yeah. It's not, it's very, very much not easy to hear this yes. kind of stuff. Because we're used to hearing, oh, use cold call more often. Okay, okay. We're not used to hearing seven students did mm. not do what you asked them yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I observed a lesson this week. The teacher said, we mark in self-assessing purple pen. Teacher said, right, get your purple pens out. Let's get marking. And then moved on. And I noticed the teacher did not check whether or not the students had their purple pen. So I go around the room and I count the number of students who do not have a purple pen in their hands. And it's eight. They said, you've got a class of 30 students, eight of them did not have a purple pen in their hand. You'd ask them to do it, but you didn't pause, you yeah. didn't check, you didn't hold them to account, right? So not, eight of them didn't do it. Incontrovertible, but it's difficult to hear, right? Because it's not me saying, you know, make sure that you, yeah. you know, if, I, if, if, you know, they're just moved on or whatever, I say, you know, you need just, just make sure you put a bit more of a pause. It's, no, what you tried to do failed. Yeah. You tried to do X, it didn't work. Yeah, the lesson was worse because of it, right? You, do you want students to, to reflect on their work in Purple Pen? Yes, I do. Do you think your lesson would have been better if they had done? Yes. Well, your lesson was worse because they didn't. Because you didn't do this very, very specific, very precise thing. Your lesson was worse. Very difficult to hear that. Very difficult because we're not used to receiving feedback like that. 
A, the level of precision, and B, the level of, it feels personal, right? Because it's about something that I did yeah. or didn't do. And it can be very hard to hear. So we always, I always, always, always explain to people that the feedback is going to be of that nature, mm. right? And, and it will be challenging. And, and I talk to people about how I was challenged um, by my boss yeah. when I started, and, and I, I found it really difficult to hear. And I was like, it's like really defensive, and then you slowly move that part of yourself to the side, yeah. that ego that says, I don't want to hear this, and you just accept, and you're like, ah, it's not easy, but God, you're fucking right, aren't you? And you're like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm not having a go at you. I'm not telling you off. Right? I'm not asking you to beat yourself up or flagellate or whatever. I'm just saying that because of X, Y happened. X is an easy fix. Yeah. yeah. I'm not asking for you. I, basically, to this date, I've never asked anyone to do any additional work outside of a lesson. Mm -hmm. I've never had mm -hmm. to. Right? Because there's enough stuff that they can change in the lesson that will make a big enough impact. I don't need to get to that stuff. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there are curriculum problems which you deal with the head of department, whatever. But like, by and large, with the individual teacher, nine times out of ten, the things I'm spotting are things they can just change within the lesson. Small reordering, yeah? You know, if a teacher doesn't front load their means of participation, so they say, okay, guys, get your mini whiteboards out without talking. Students start talking, okay? Why? Because they hear the bit about getting your mini whiteboards out, they start getting the mini whiteboards out, they don't hear the bit about stopping talk, not talking. So I say, look, just swap it around. Just say, without talking, get your mini whiteboards out. Like, am I asking for additional work, right? Am I infringing on your 1,265 hours or whatever? No, I'm not, right? Just little shift and, and it would have helped. You know, it wouldn't, wouldn't have helped. Uh, you know, it's not going to revolutionize your world, but it's going to make a 5% difference here, a 10% difference there. And like, that, that's worth doing, can I, right? Can I, uh, can I give you a couple here, Adam, if ones that I've done recently, just so I reflect on this. Be my guest and, and also, just to see if my process was the same as yours. And I, I'm pretty sure it is, because I think I've nicked it straight from your blog here. So we'll see. So I, I'll go into a room. And the first thing I'll do, I'll just spend the first few minutes just having to get, trying to get a general sense of, of what's, go, what's going on. I normally take a photo of the board straight away, just from the back of the room, just so I can kind of put it in a bit of context of, of where we're at in the lesson, so I can refer back to later. And I'll spend the next few minutes just watching the teacher, watching the kids, just getting a sense of what's going on. And then I'll form this hypothesis. And again, I'm pretty sure I've got this from you. So I'll get- Yeah, the hypothesis model. Yeah, so I'll give you a couple of examples of, of this and then I'll follow, and then I definitely got this from you. Based on the hypothesis, I'll try and get this critical evidence because without the evidence, you're screwed because in that then that conversation afterwards, you don't have that objectivity and it becomes a bit vague and it becomes a bit pace, engagement, blah, 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 as we've talked about. So I'll give you two kind of concrete examples from the last couple of weeks that have been, <laughs> one was received well, one wasn't received all that well. So the first was... Um, this just this last week, I was watching this guy teach both maths lessons, and we'll talk about, by the way, non-subject specialist observations a little bit later on. Um, so I was watching this guy teach, second in department, really good teacher, and he said to the kids, right, I'm going to show you how to do this on the board, and it was volume of a cylinder. And my hypothesis was the kids won't know whether they should be just watching him do this model or whether they should be watching and trying to write things down at the same time. And it's going to lead to... Because, it's he, going to lead because to, he hadn't he said, said what he wanted he to do. Yeah. 
So I thought, right, that's my hypothesis. What's going to be my evidence? So what I did is I took a picture of him at the board, kind of turned, turned to the board with his pen in his hands. And then I also, and I always kind of get permission off the school and stuff, I took some pictures, kind of wide shots of the classroom of what the kids were doing. And lo and behold, about 50% were looking up, 50% weren't off task. They were trying to follow, but they had their you know, heads down, pens down as they're trying to write. Whilst he's at the board, he's gesturing to key points and the kids are missing this left, right and centre because their heads are down. So in our feedback meeting afterwards, I thought I'll do, I thought I'd kind of do a bit of a big reveal on this because he's like, I get on quite well with this guy. I thought he'd be able to take it. So I said, right, I'm going to show you a picture of a key point in this lesson when you're doing the modelling. So I showed him the picture of him modelling and I said, what do you reckon your kids were doing at this moment in time? And he said, well, they were watching me because I was modelling. And I said, okay, let's have a look at these pictures. And I try not to be smug about it because you don't want to come across as a dick, right? And I said, okay, let me just show you these pictures. And he couldn't believe it, right? But there, and it was, as you say, it was this kind of, it was this key moment. That was the turning point for him in this conversation because there was that critical evidence. And if I'd have just said to him, you know what, I don't think some of your kids were fully following your modeling there because they weren't watching. He'd have been like, well, I'm not so sure about that. But here's, here's a mm. kind of photo evidence. So I find the photos really powerful. And that led to a really positive conversation. And as you say, a really tiny change that he can make there, right? Just saying, before I do this model, empty your hands. Your job is to watch me and do nothing out. And, you know, all those kind of things. So that, that was a kind of really positive one. I'll give you another example. So um, this was another school and it was the do now, it was the start of the lesson and there were questions on the board, it was another maths lesson and the teacher said to the kids, just crack on what you do now, do it, do it in your books. And whilst the kids were doing this, the teacher was at the front of the, at the, front of the classroom kind of doing the register, a bit of admin stuff, all this kind of thing. So my hypothesis there was some of these kids, to use your phrase, are doing the classic busy tricking, right? They are just, they've got the pen in the hand, but they're not doing anything, right? Because they know yeah, they're what- they're writing titles, exactly they're underlining right. things. Because yeah. they know what's gonna happen in five minutes time is the teacher's just gonna go through it on the board and they can just copy it down there and then. And you know, everyone thinks that they've, you know, everyone's happy with that. Their kids have had to do nothing, but the teacher's happy because they've got things in their book and blah, blah, blah. So that was my hypothesis. So I thought I'd get some evidence on this. So I just went around the room and I was very polite about it to the kids. I just said, do you mind if I just take a quick picture of your book and I timestamped each one and so on and so forth. And then in the conversation afterwards, I said, what do you think your kids were doing whilst the do now was on the board? And he's like, well, they were doing the do now. And I said, well, here's, you know, five kids. And, you know, one of them's just started question one. Another one's writing the date down, the title down and so on. And again, it was that real critical evidence. And my point there was you need to be circulating, you know, doing the do now, or you need to be holding the kids to account. And we, I even suggested maybe with that class, just put one question on the board at a time. Let's do it on mini whiteboards, three, two, one, show me, just so it's, it's a bit more rapid because these kids perhaps weren't at the stage where they could concentrate just yet for kind of five, 10 minutes independently. So we talked about different strategies, but it wasn't as quite well received. And again, it's probably on me for, for the way I delivered it, but it was that critical evidence, you can't argue against the critical evidence, right? And I think the difference between the two experiences was the first teacher, when he saw that evidence, he was like, oh yeah, you know, you're right there, let's work on that. Whereas the other teacher may be a bit embarrassed by it or something, and you know, I, I don't know. But the, the point I'm trying to say there is, I really like the former hypothesis, let's gather some critical evidence because that's going to form the bedrock of, um, of, of the conversation that follows. I've got a few more things to say, but I just want to give you an opportunity if you wanted to reflect on yeah, any of that. I, I, think, I, I think that you've done very similar to what I would have done. Um, in the first scenario, I would have gone one step further 
and I would have waited for the teacher to say something and then gone to a kid who was writing and yeah, asked that's good. them what he yeah, said. That's good. And but but there's a very good reason for that. And the reason for that is because it gives me the opportunity to say, well, you know, whether, whether the teacher's name is Dave, I said, I said, Dave, yeah, you said to the students, you know, make sure you carry the one. <laughs> there's your math. <laughs> there's your math generalization. Nice. It's like carry the one. Yeah, make sure you carry the one. Right now, your subject knowledge is off the charts. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Your pedagogical yeah, content yeah, yeah. knowledge is absolutely right. Your sequencing is perfect. Those that that like that aspect of thinking hard about this step and that step and giving them that guidance. Golden, mm, mm. golden. I wish every teacher exactly. did that, but but they didn't, didn't hear it. Exactly, yeah. They didn't hear yeah. it, and that that also helps with your buy-in mm. thing, because it it makes it really clear that you're not having a go. Yeah, exactly. Right? You're saying what you did is 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 superb, but they didn't hear it, yeah. mate. Yeah. They, and and if they can't hear it, they're not going to benefit from the amazing stuff that you're That's saying, nice. and and that allows you to couch it in that way. Um, and then with your second guy, look, it, it's hard to know why they felt a bit more defensive about it um but but again i think it's i think it's normal and natural to feel mm. defensive and that's why i always talk in advance about the way it's going to feel and i say that you might feel upset and it's not my job i don't like it doesn't make me happy when you feel upset but in a sense that's a good thing because it tells me that you care yeah and i say to people sometimes i give people feedback and they just nod their head yep 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 and i'm like i just don't understand yeah. Right? How, how can you just nod your head and not like be, be annoyed that something happened in your yes. lesson that could have gone better, right? So when you start to feel that, right, just, just know that that's a good thing because it tells me and it tells you that you care, but park it, yeah. park yeah, it, yeah. move it to the side, deal with what's in front of us. Um, and, and, you know, I would say I have these conversations with complete strangers, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 people I've literally just met three seconds ago. And in nine, nine times out of 10, it's absolutely fine. And in the one time out of 10, it takes a bit more time. And, and, but, but we get there in the end, right? And, and it's not in the spirit of compromise. I'm not compromising, yeah? yeah? There's, you know, I, I listened in on a feedback conversation yesterday, actually, um, where the, these, these, these two were like probably going at it and it wasn't productive. And, and the person who was giving the, the, the feedback, who was like the mentor or whatever, um, was like, okay, well, let's compromise on this. And I'm like, what the, f what? I'm like, it's not, it's, it's either X or Y. It's not, right? Like those kids in that class who did, hadn't done the do now, like there's no compromise. Mm. They hadn't done it, yeah? The, so you can't, you can't be having that. You can't be having that. You can't leave until they realize that this is what yeah. happened and that, and that we can, we can fix it. Um, and sometimes it, it requires you to be very blunt. Um, and, and again, you, you have to do it nicely. You have to do it professionally. You have to do it courteously. I was in a lesson recently with a teacher who, uh, there was this kid at the front, again, we'll call him Craig, who teacher gave the instructions and said, I want you to answer it in your books or whatever. Craig puts his hand up and goes, are we supposed to do it in our books or, or on the sheet? And Mrs. like, oh, I said to you, do it in the books, right? And now me in my head, right? I'm using the hypothesis model. I saw the teacher give the explanation. I don't think they were clear. I think she was, give, she was giving out sheets while she yeah, was giving yeah. the explanation. There was loads of different steps. Uh, and I knew that there'd be loads of procedural questions, what I call procedural questions. Where do mm -hmm. I answer it? Do mm -hmm. I do this first or this first? Do I use peel or not? That kind of stuff. And this kid, Craig, asked the question, she got annoyed. And obviously what I did is I then went round and I looked at if the other students were doing it in the right way. And like half of them were doing it in their books, half of them were doing it on the paper, half of them were doing it this way, half of them were doing it that way, all of that stuff. 
so I said to him in the feedback, I said, um, look, you know, when you said that, so so um, Craig said it's, we're supposed to do it on the sheet or on the book. And I'm, I, this this is this is what I don't understand, right? You said do it on in your book. Why do you think he was asking? She was like, well, he he's a difficult kid looking out the window. You know, he just I, he just he really struggles with attention. And I said, I said, I don't think that's it. Um, I think that when you gave the instructions, you did it like this, you did it like this, you were giving out the sheets at the time, blah, blah. I wrote down verbatim what she'd said, yada, yada, yada. And I think that's why he didn't hear it. And she was like, no, no, I, I don't agree. Um, it's just, he's always like that. Everyone else is fine. I said, okay, look, do you remember when I said to you earlier that I am going to challenge you directly? <laughs> she was like, yeah, okay. This is, this, is, this is what I mean when I said I'm going to challenge you directly. First thing, it wasn't just Craig, okay? I went to six or seven other students. This one was doing it in their book. This one was doing it on the sheet. This one was using peel. This one wasn't using peel. This one was doing it like that. This one was doing it like that. Huge variation, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean the stuff they were writing was bad or wrong, but they weren't doing it in exactly the right way you wanted, which tells me very clearly the instructions weren't, yeah. weren't delivered right. And, 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 and I want to be really clear. That's, that's point one. Point two is that even if Craig is one of those kids who finds it difficult to struggle, difficult to focus, looking out the window, how much more so you need to reach him, mm, right? Mm. You can't just like write yeah, it yeah, off yeah. and be like, oh, well, that's okay. That's okay. I gave my instructions the way I did. He didn't get them because he's bad at paying attention. Like, that's not how this works, right? If you've got a student who you think is going to find it hard to pay attention or going to find it hard to follow the instructions, you need to work even harder yeah. to make sure they get it, right? And, and boy, did she find that difficult to hear. And just, you know, and then, but eventually pulled it back. Mm. Right, because ninety-nine point nine percent of teachers want to do a yeah, good job. Ninety-nine percent of point nine percent of teachers want to do right by their kids. They want to maximise the time in the lesson. They want to be efficient. They want their kids to learn yeah. stuff. So it's hard to hear. And trust me, it, <laughs> I received the exact same yeah. type of feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and often publicly, right? The first thing I did as head of department when I joined the school is. In our very first department meeting, the first thing I did, I was brand new to the school, the pre-existing department, I videoed myself teaching, um, and the first meeting was the video of myself teaching and me then receiving feedback from the trainee. Nice. Who had been teaching for three weeks, right? Now, you, I want to show that I can, it's not easy for me to mm. take either, right? I'm, I'm here, I'm Mr. Big Shot, I'm the head of department, I'm taking trainee from some, feedback from someone who's, who's, who's been in the classroom three weeks. And it might be that we spoke about it before and I gave them some ideas of things to look for or whatever. But like the principle is that I, I really want to show people that it's hard for me as well, but it's worth it. It's worth it. That's good. That's good. Um, let me, I've just got two quick questions on this, this kind of section of the observation process for you. So I've encountered this a couple of times, Adam. I wonder if you have. What happens, and I found it dead annoying, what happens if you form a hypothesis, you test it, and it turns out it's not true? You know, like you, you, you spent, you think they've not understood that. So they've not been listening. You ask three kids, it turns out they have. You just ditch the hypothesis. We, we, you'd be overjoyed. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I am a bit, well, but a bit of these are annoying. Cause I think that this is a really good, you, you know, I've spotted something they can improve on, but I don't have the evidence. So I'm a bit, I'm That's a bit annoyed. Ego, That's your ego, Craig. You're wrong. Okay. Okay. Right. You're, you're clearly not correct. <laughs> yeah. Because, because it's, it's worked. It's been fine. Right, and and you should be grateful for that. Because no, no. Every time, I'm, I'm not every time, this. listen, Craig, go on, go Craig. On. Every time, every time I get a hypothesis correct, what it means is that a bunch of students haven't learned. Mm. 
No, that, no. Okay, let me flip this. You make, you're making me sound <laughs> bad here. Right, let me flip this. Let's use your example, right, from before with the uh, instruction about writing on the book, right? So let's yeah. imagine the teacher's been dishing out sheets and she said, make sure you write in the book. And you think, you know what? The kids haven't heard this. The kids haven't heard this. Now, there's no doubt it is going to be a better experience if the teacher makes those instructions really, really clear to the kids. But what, what happens if you just ha happen to ask three or four? Wait, what's your evidence for saying there's no doubt? Well, be, well, I'm using your kind of, well, use your kind of front loading idea, right? Like if yeah, you've got the hype, but, that, but, but, but you're wrong, right? Because they did it. <laughs> okay. So in that scenario, if you ask the three or four kids, you're happy to concede that it's not something the teacher needs to work on, that, that those instructions are fine to kind of keep giving in that, in that way. You, you wouldn't bring it up. Well, it depends. <laughs> go, on, it depends. go on. If it's, if it's, if it's like someone new who I've just yeah. met, I, I wouldn't bring it up. Okay, no. fine, fine, fine. No. If it's, you know, I observed a lesson this week um, with a high, with an expert MFL teacher, very, very, very strong yeah, yeah. practice. And um, towards the end of the lesson, he was doing some mini whiteboard work uh, and he was asking students to write some kind of verb or whatever it was. And I noticed a couple of students got it wrong and rubbed off their answer as yeah. soon as their boards went down. It's one of the things that I always look for. And what I think happens a lot of the, not I think, what I know happens a lot of the time is that if a student rubs off their answer as soon as the board goes down and they got mm. it wrong, they often do not come away with clarity about whether they were right or mm. wrong, right? Especially in something like MFL where it can be quite yeah, complex yeah, yeah. and nuanced. So I always just go to them and I say, by the way, did you get the last one right? And they say, oh yes, yes, I did. Oh, great, thank you. And then I go to the teacher, yeah, okay. this guy didn't have a clue, right? So in this case, I saw the student do it and I did the same thing and I went to them and I said, did you get the last one right? She goes, no, no, I got it wrong. And if it were a brand new teacher, someone I'd never met before, I wouldn't include it in okay. feedback because I back myself to find something okay. else, okay. right? I back myself to find something else, yeah? And, and I would have found something else. With this guy, I know him well, he's highly expert. And I said to him, look, this is what happens. I did test it and, and she got it right, right? So in that moment it was fine, but it's not a good habit to okay. be in to let them rub stuff off. And he's like, no, I completely agree. He's, he's already completely bought yeah, in. Yeah, 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 There's yeah. no need to challenge him too hard on it. And he said, yeah, I, I completely agree. I said, okay, so, so, so talk me through how you're gonna sort this. And he goes, I just need to keep remembering, to say, don't rub your board off, put mm, them down, mm, that mm. kind of stuff. And we have a few other strategies to deal with things like that as well. But with him, it's not a problem, yeah? yeah? With, with, with others, you know, if I've, if I've looked at, you know, I back myself across the course of 10 minutes to find half a dozen okay. things that I could pick up on. Am I going to feedback all of those things? Obviously not. So I pick the ones that I think are A, mo highest impact, B, most likely to come up in another lesson, C, most likely to be heard, right? And, and the thing that I got wrong is least likely to be heard. Do it, never underestimate the power of being right about this yeah. stuff. Um, and, and also, um, it happens less and less now as time goes on as well, because the beauty of this model, what, it's called the hypothesis model, where you make a prediction about what will happen next, the hypothesis. The beauty of the model is that you get better at it with yeah. time. Because if the, the, the best thing to do, like I said, if you get a hypothesis wrong, the first thing is to be happy because it means students are learning when yeah. you thought they wouldn't yeah. be learning, right? And that should cause joy to yeah. ourselves. But the second thing is to be happy because it teaches you yeah, okay. to make a better hypothesis next time. And, and it's, it's good feedback for you. Like, okay, so, so why is it that it did mm. work then? Well, then you might start to think cultural norms. Yeah. Okay, so, so let's say, for example, the purple pen thing. Yeah. 
So, so if, if a teacher says, get your purple pens out and start marking, I'm like, well, <laughs> and then doesn't check. I'm like, well, obviously half the kids aren't going to do it. And then they all get them out, all of them. I'm like, that's a learning point for me. I then say in feedback, I say, I say, I was really mm. surprised because you didn't check nothing like that, but you said, get your purple pens out. Why do you think it is that that happened? And he says, well, I tell you the truth. Yeah. For across many lessons, we spend a lot of time focusing on this. I've given detentions out to kids for not getting their purple pen out. And we're at the point now where they just do it. And I'm like, thank you. That is, it's so, it's so good to hear that. That's really useful to, for me to know. Thank you. Yeah. Humility is the name of the game here. There might be something you miss, something you don't know, something about the culture in this classroom that, that escapes you because obviously by definition you're dipping in, you're dipping out. You come with your own biases. That's, that's why the hypothesis model is strong because it kills you yeah. as an ego, right? It, it, it completely removes you from the picture, right? It's just about what's the evidence, how can I help? Okay, I'm going to take a long, hard look at myself after that, Adam. I think, I think you're right there. I like that. You've, um, you've also answered my second kind of follow-up question, which was, what do you do if you see a load of, a load of things that could be worked on? And I th just to reiterate what you said, Adam, you're looking for high, what was it? What was the kind of order? High impact? Um, I mean, it will vary. Nine times out of 10, it's always ratio stuff. Mm. Sorry, that, that was a really bad way of putting it. Nine times out of 10, it's always ratio <laughs> stuff. Nine times out of 10, it's ratio stuff. Okay, so about how you manage students' attention. Okay. In, Pretty much every lesson I ever go to. Yep. Um, are they using cold call, knocked out? Are they challenging students who aren't listening? That kind of stuff. Um, so I tend to try and pick things that are, if you go to the like, if you go to like Bambrick Santoyo or some of the fancy instructional coaching books, they give more like specific um, guidelines and hierarchies, but broadly you're looking for things which are um, going to come up a mm. lot. Okay, so if I observe a lesson where a teacher doesn't correct or challenge a misconception about the whether or not colour of blood in veins is blue or red, I, I might give that as feedback, but like there's no way it's what I'm going to focus on because it's not coming up again yeah, until next yeah, year, yeah. right? So I want something that's going to come up in their next lesson, right? And it's going to come up often. I want something that is high impact, that I know is high impact, um, like cold call. Yeah, I don't want to take a punt and be like, well, I'm not really sure about the right way to solve this. Maybe you could try X, Y, or Z. I need to be able to give them something that this will work. Yeah. Uh, it needs to be something that is reasonably based in some kind of evidence um, as well. It needs to be um, an easy to implement mm, as well. Mm, perfect. So, so for example, if I said to someone, yeah, you need to work on your kid's metacognition or whatever. Now, theoretically, metacognition, as far as the EF define it, could come up in any lesson. It's got evidence base, that kind of stuff. But like, <laughs> I've got no idea how to actually yes. do anything with it. So it's not going to be, it's not going to be the feedback that I deliver ever. Got it. Perfect. No, that's superb, Adam. Right. Well, I want to jump now then to this third stage because I think I undervalue this stage. You know, what do you do in between? coming out of the lesson and kind of jumping into into the feedback session do you have like a minimum time you want to leave there or even a maximum time what do you do in any time that you've got to, to kind of prep for this what, what does that look like for you um I, I tell you i don't have a system there's no again there's no hard and fast rule um sometimes with with what i call bread and butter stuff you know, I've seen someone for 10 minutes, they've not done cold call, or they should have used many whiteboards, or they didn't front their their minutes participation, or the instructions weren't clear, or the kids were doing this, or doing that, or doing the other, or busy tricking, whatever it is. Yeah, I don't, there's, there's not much prep that needs to be yeah. done. 
there are other times where I need to think a bit more hard about it. Um, either because the stuff I noticed was niche um, and needs more deconstruction or because um, I think the person might need a bit more deconstruction. Yeah, yeah. And then in some cases, like, like I might try and prepare a sequence of order to mm, talk about mm. things. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't normally, um, to tell you the truth, maybe I should, if I had more time, I probably would, but I'm so frenetic. Um, like I go to these schools, like I'll, I'll literally see 25 yeah, lessons yeah, yeah, yeah. across a day. Like I'm, I'm, I'm running off my feet. I'm not, I don't have time to do that kind of stuff. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, I'll tell you one thing I forgot to ask you, Adam, as well, just just in terms of kind of the practicalities of um, kind of taking notes and photos. I'm a big Evernote fan and kind of type it up, take a photo. What, what are you doing? Are you doing it on your phone or on an iPad or pen and paper? Yeah, I use, I just, I just type on a laptop. Oh, on a laptop, yeah. okay. You set it up at the back, yeah. wander around the room, keep going to the back to kind of make notes. Yeah, and I'll take photos if I need to. Um, the typing is better than writing because it's yeah, faster. yeah, yeah. Uh, and it means you can actually sometimes get down full things verbatim. I'll write stuff down like, will this be revisited? Or will this give us problems further down the line? And then later, if it does, I'll go back to that point and write something like that. I did when I was first starting, I had like a table where I would write what I saw happened, my hypothesis and how I tested yeah. it. Um, but I don't, I don't need to do that anymore because I've done it for long enough. Um, but it's not something I wouldn't recommend. It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant, this mate. Okay, well, we've covered a lot of stage four in terms of the kind of feedback and some of the kind of tricky encounters. And I really like the point you emphasized about, and it's not doing it falsely, like bigging up the person. Like I love that um, example you used based on my example that the of the guy giving the explanation, everything he said was good to the kids. So we want to just make sure every child kind of benefits from hearing that. I really like that. But I wonder if you can just take me through the structure of these conversations that you have and the, the feedback ones. Do you, just to give you a kind of couple of examples of things I've done in the past, which I've kind of ditched a bit. Sometimes I used to open up with, how do you think that went? I'm not so sure that's the best idea. And these days I tend to try and open up with some specific praise, some actual concrete things that the the, the people did really well. How how does it play out for you? Again, it it varies so widely. You know, when we do, so, so at TTA, when we do an observation, we also expect the person who's been observed to write a full reflection. Oh, wow. Okay. So what went well is an EBI's in granular detail. And we always start by inviting them to give their reflection. Actually, that's not how we start. I'll get to how we start in a second, but we invite them to give their reflection. And I I say, you know, I'm gonna just ask you to give your reflection. I'm not gonna say anything at all while you're doing it. I might make some notes, but like, don't read anything into my face Mm -hmm. or whatever, because I'm just just here to listen to you, that's all. And then I'll give them feedback on their reflection, Mm. right? Um, such to the extent, uh, and I know this, this might sound horrible, um, but if I think someone's given a bad reflection, I'll send them away. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I'll say, I say, look, I'll be really honest with you. Um, I don't think that's a great reflection on the lesson. Um, what I want to do is, is I want to reconvene. Um, I want you to go off uh, and I want you to really think. And normally, normally, it's when a person hasn't put anything in there what went well. Right, okay. Right, so they'll say a whole load of EBIs, and I say, it makes me really worried that you can't see all of the good things you right, did in your okay. lesson. And the reason why it makes me worried is because if in your head, you're like thinking, oh, it was terrible this, terrible that, terrible the other, you're less likely to be able to hear the stuff that I'm saying, yeah. because you're just gonna be at this like low ego point, yeah. okay? So I would like you to go away 
and come back to me with some proper www's and it's really mean yeah uh but it works yeah and they come back and they say yeah i'll be honest i did do x and i did do y but part of that comes from the fact that we have because we have a clear vision of good teaching and learning it means that a person can come to me and say you know i was cold calling throughout the lesson and i'm like thank mm. you right was that so mm. difficult like don't take this stuff yeah, for granted, yeah. yeah? And and with, with new stuff, I'll model that process, right? So, for example, let's say I'm watching a do now, um, and uh, the teacher say it doesn't circulate, right? Like, like in your example. I don't start there. I say, look, okay, in the start of the lesson, you were standing in your threshold, which is great, okay? Because it makes it more likely the students are going to come in and get working. You then moved to your perch, which, again, where you could see all the students and they could all see you. You then waited, you were narrating compliance, mm. you were talking about the students who were doing the right thing, you weren't making any like loud projections. Why has nobody started? There was work on the board, the yep. quality of the work was good. All of these things are what went well. This is what goes in the what went yep. well column. Don't take it for granted. And if you can't spot these things, that makes me worried and it makes me mm. upset. So there'll be that process. Would you do that even um, if you were, is that just for a full observation? If you were doing like a drop in and having a conversation after that? Yeah, yeah, but it would start it with, varies. either way, would it start with the staff reflecting on their own lesson? Only for the really like big chunky Okay, ones. fine, fine, yeah. fine. Well, I mean, even, even shorter ones, I'll ask them for a, for a quick yeah, reflection, yeah, yeah. but it's not of the same, uh, it's not the same kind of level of importance. Okay. Um, so I'll always say, you know, talk to me about the things that you think went well and, you could have done better, but it's not got the same intensity around of course. it. Um, because that, that one, it's like, it's like, that's the thing. It's like, this is, we don't get enough time to like, just sit and think mm. and put the time aside to think about our lessons, to think about our learning. And that's the goal of that big lesson observation. And I want people to take that time. Yeah. And I want people to like, to like bathe in the waters of teaching right. and learning nerdery. Nice. Um, I want people to have that opportunity. So, so that that's kind of important at that point. Um, when it, when it's shorter, I don't. Yeah, so, so the whole. How do you think it went? <coughs> you often set yourself up for failure yeah. there. They'll be like, I, th I yeah, thought it was I've great. Been there. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, <laughs> here <laughs> yeah. we go. Here yeah, we go. Exactly. Um, or they'll say, Yeah, I thought it was really terrible. That that's actually useful knowledge mm. because um, it shows that a problem's got self. So someone might yes. have esteem problems yes. that you need to build yeah. up. Um, but, but yeah, so maybe a bit of that, but I don't go crazy over it. The one thing that I never compromise mm -hmm. on is the discussion of what the feedback is going to feel like. That's interesting. <laughs> and you so do that at the, out, who, at the outset of that conversation. Yeah, at the outset. Okay. The first time I observe someone. Yeah. Okay. So if I've observed someone already and they're used to it, it's not an issue. Um, but the first time I give, I meet a new person to give them feedback, always, always, always explain what it might feel like, why I think it's important. I give specific examples of when it's been done to me and how I felt about it. Um, and, I, and, I, and I say that I'm not doing it because um, like I wanna be mean or get any kicks, okay? That's really important. I'm doing it because this is the way that I think teachers improve. Yeah. And then I say, I just want you to know everything that, and actually I, I normally say this at the beginning, I say, Everything I'm about to say, I say to every single person I observe. Right, okay. Okay? It's not about you. Yep. It's not, you don't need to listen to it and start panicking or whatever. I say it to absolutely everyone. Yeah. Whether I'm observing a trainee or a principal, I say it to absolutely everyone. All I want you to do is just listen. Yeah. Okay? And then I 
do the shtick. And the shtick is that, said, do you explain, my hypothesis was this, the evidence I gave was this? No, I, I just, I, I, so, so basically what I say is, um, I, I, I say that a lot of the stuff we spoke about at the, at the outset of this podcast, I talk about how the feedback that I received I thought was vague. Yeah. Uh, and and even things that I did sort of agree with, they didn't make yeah, much yeah, of a difference yeah. to my teaching. And then I talk about the way Thanos dissected my yeah. lesson, um, and the way he offered direct challenge to me. And I said, and I said, I strongly believe that people don't change unless they're mm. challenged. And I, it's my job here to to change you as a teacher. Yeah. Okay, not not like like reform you, but to make small behavioural changes here or there. I strongly believe I can't do that unless I directly challenge you. Lots of teachers, I'm afraid, are not used yeah. to this. They're not used to being directly challenged. They're used to people saying, oh, well, did you think about pace yeah. or did you think about differentiation or metacognition or whatever? This feedback is going to be mm. challenging, okay? You will feel it, okay? You might feel defensive. It might, it might feel uncomfortable at times, but that's because it's challenge. Yeah. It's challenging. Yeah. And I'm trying very hard to change you. And, and I don't do it from a position of like me just trying to boss you around. I do it from a position of love and from a position of knowing that, that you, like every other teacher in this country, just wants mm -hmm. to get better and is, and is crying out for the kind of feedback that's going to help you, that's going to change you, that's going to that's alter your practice in small but significant Got ways. It. Let's get started. Got it. Okay, so you've given that. Then do you say, then do you present the hypothesis and the evidence? Would that, would that come next? Yeah, yeah, it'll vary, but, but there are thereabouts. Yeah. I, I always try and start with stuff that I of really like and I like it. Things like that. Okay. <clears throat> and it's yeah, and then jump into kind of scenarios. Okay, fantastic. Now this is the bit I'm really interested in. So we we've we've talked a lot about the different hypotheses you may form and the evidence you may present and how sometimes that'll be received really positively, sometimes you know, it may take a bit more time for the for them to, to kind of get on board with it. What comes next, Adam? Because I think I think this is where I've gone wrong in the past, right? Because if you just if you just leave it there, it's a bit of a disaster, right? You know, this is what I thought was going to happen. Oh, look, it did happen. See you later. You know, obviously, there's got to be something for them to to go away with. So, do you then? How directive are you there? Do you say, okay, let's let's think about a lesson you've got coming up tomorrow. Let's start planning out what we can do differently. Let's rehearse it. How, how does that play out? Yeah, it, it'll vary. So the instructional coach type people always advocating this like deliberate yeah. practice. <clears throat> so going into an empty classroom and walking around and practicing instructions. Yeah. I, I, me personally, I don't rate that kind of stuff. I used to do it, but I actually don't think it works. And I just think it feels a bit How weird. Can you dig uh, into most, that a little bit? Because again, there'd be massive advocates of that, right? Out there. Yeah, I just, I just think it's weird. <laughs> like the, like, the rehearsal and, and part it, of it. Yeah, yeah I, I just think it's weird. And I just think that <laughs> It's not my experience that it actually helps people. They like freak right, out okay. and shit like that. Um, I, I just find it a bit strange. And also it doesn't apply to everything, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sold okay. on it. I'm not, I'm not telling people sure, not sure, to do sure. it. No, I just don't myself. Okay. Um, normally I'll try and write like an action step, mm -hmm. okay? And I'll try and check the action step. Oh, sorry, I'll try and check the feedback. So let's say in the course of a lesson, I noticed a teacher giving bad instructions once yep. and then bad instructions 10 minutes later, okay? So we'll do the number one and we'll talk about what happened and why it happened. And then I say, okay, now let's fast forward a bit in the lesson. This is what happened. What do you think happened next? Mm -hmm. And they're like, mm, definitely a couple of kids got it wrong because my instructions were blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, bingo, okay. you've understood, excellent, okay? From all of that process comes an action step. So a thing that I want them to do next. 
Um, and then what would the action step has, be for that one? Uh, oh, I mean, it really varies depending on what you've seen. Um, we could spend hours talking about how to craft a good action step. Give us a few. Give us I a few good, good ones. So I tend, um, I tend to basically have three components to an mm. action step. The f one component is what you actually have to do. Okay. So let's take the example of the kid who, who isn't listening when the teacher asks a question. Okay, so the strategy to use there is called no opt-out. Mm -hmm. It's Douglamoff's strategy, teach like a champion, which is where you say to the student, um, I'm going to come back to you in a second. You bloody make sure you're listening, right? So that's a, that's a thing, the strategy I want yep. them to use. Um, I like to put a reason in there as well. So in this case, it will be um, raise accountability or build ratio. And I like to put in a kind of phase. So I might write something like during verbal questioning, raise in or increase ratio by using Got knockdown. It. That's good. That's good. So I'm trying to like get as much, uh, sometimes called like semantic density. I'm trying to get as much meaning yeah. as I can into just a few short words. Um, stuff like that. You know, when using mini whiteboards and checking for understanding, ensure students are ready to practice by rechecking areas of common yes. errors. That's the example we spoke yes. about before. People made, there was a common error. You retort it, great, but you didn't recheck. Yeah, 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 yeah. The reason why you need to recheck is to make sure that they actually do understand or to make sure they're ready to do their own practice. And the time phase is during mini whiteboard work. Got it. So you might write it something like that. Um, yeah. It does yeah, no, that's work. great. So you've, you've written the action step down and then would it be... Would you kind of joint plan? Would you, or would you say to them, when are you going to use this specifically the next time, and what's it look it like? It depends. It it depends. It depends. You know, with with stuff like the verbal questioning, it's you know, it just feels weird to have a conversation like that. Um, I might say, you know, so so what kind of a script might okay. you use for no opt out? And they'd be like, what do you mean? I said, well, look, if it's me, I'd say things like, David, I'm a bit disappointed that you don't know the answer. Make sure you're listening. I'm going to come back mm. to you later. Or I might make a suggestion like having a mini whiteboard where you write down David and then next to it photosynthesis because you know you've got to go back to him with a mm. photosynthesis question mm. at some point. That kind of stuff. Um, if it's something that's a bit harder to do, um, you know, if a teacher, you know, like let's say a teacher's standing in completely the wrong place in their room. Yeah. Right? So I'll go into their classroom and say, where are you going to stand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say, probably here. I say, no, don't stand there. Stand here. <laughs> I'll explain why. I say, okay, let's say you want to go and circulate to that kid over there. How are you going to walk to that kid? And they'll be like, I'm just going to walk to them. Like, no, don't do it like that. Do it like this, right? That kind of stuff. Um, so, so sometimes, yeah, there is play acting. There's body positioning. There's gesture, things along those lines. Uh, sometimes if, um, you know, let's say I go into a lesson, science lesson, teacher's explaining something using a PowerPoint. They're just mashing through the PowerPoint. It's a terrible explanation. It's unclear. Kids don't follow. I ask a couple of kids some basic questions about the explanation. They don't know it. I sit, we sit down and say, I say um, so your explanation, I, I was a, to tell you the truth, I was a bit worried that the students wouldn't get it. So, because I think there's just like so much on the board and it didn't feel like there was any kind of plan and you're going backwards and forwards and, and it just felt a bit disjointed. So I asked a couple of kids and some basic questions, they didn't know the answer. So, so can, can I, can I, is it okay if I just show you the way that I would have explained it? And they're like, yeah, go for it. And I say, it's okay. So, and I, I get my board out and I say, well, I'll do it like this and maybe like that, maybe like that. And I say, say um, I'm just going to ask you to be really honest now, yeah? Whose explanation was better? Now, if they say they still think theirs was, 
well, we've got big issues. <laughs> right. okay? We've got big issues. But like I've done this now, I've done that exact exercise, I think like 25 times, and okay. no one once has said that they thought theirs was better. And I say, okay, now, now can, I be really, can, I, can I be a bit direct with you? Do you think you could deliver that explanation that I just gave? And they're like, yes. And I say, okay, well, I want to be very, very clear now. You've said it's better. You've said you can do it. We do not have a legitimate ethical choice but to deliver mm. it like that next time. And they're like, yes, I agree. I say, great. What are you teaching tomorrow? Yeah. And they're like, you know, leaf structure. I say, brilliant. Here's a board. Show me. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, I'm not really sure where to start. I say, let, let me have a, you know, and we w might work it out together. And we might do three or four across the course of their day tomorrow if we have time. Um, but again, like, that's not always necessary. It just very much depends on See, the exact well, context. When, when would it... So I'm I'm big into this. I'm big into after that after the hypothesis, the critical evidence, and so on. I'm big into okay, specifically when can we make this change next? And it, if it's a case of you know dig up your plan for your next lesson, or let's plan something together, or let's model it out. I agree with you. Sometimes the the kind of rehearsal bit feels dead awkward. But when would you ever not? I can't see a scenario. Certainly, when I would never not say. When can we make this change for the first time? Specifically, you know, oh, yeah. when are you going to? You would you would say that. I was talking about the like the play. Right. Okay. Right? Like, okay. Let's say let's say someone isn't cold calling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not cold calling. You've spoken to them about it. They agree with you. They need yeah. to cold call. Yeah. So, like to go into a room then and start practicing cold calling with like yeah, empty okay. questions with okay, no yeah. students <laughs> is is weird. Yeah. If to me it feels yeah, weird. Some people do that. Fine. <laughs> whatever. I don't because it feels weird. But like the the next step is 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 brilliant. So who are you teaching tomorrow morning first thing? Like eight set two, whatever. Perfect. Are we going to get cold calling throughout that lesson? Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Okay. Beautiful. And and again, depending on the context, like if a school has invited me in, I'm not sure if I'm going to be yeah, coming yeah, back. Yeah. yeah. So if if it's someone that I know I'm going to be seeing again, I just say I'm looking forward to seeing that mm, next time mm. I come in. I'm going to come in soon because I really want to see. It. I'm really excited to see it and play. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to come back in soon. Um, if it's school that, you know, I've just visited and God knows, you know, I've, just, I've just offended 50% of their staff. Like, God knows if they're going to invite me back. Um, it's, a, it's a miracle that I've not been kicked out of the building yet and marched out by security. Um, but I've not. So I don't know if I'm going to be coming back. So all I can do is I write it like an implementation yeah, plan okay. for the head of department, very clear, very staggered. Uh, and, and again, you know, I said to you, I'm very blunt. I said earlier, I was blunt with SLT. I'm not just blunt with frontline, I'm blunt with whoever needs it. And I said to SLT very simply, I said, I wrote an, uh, an implementation plan. You've paid money for me to be here today. If the implementation plan isn't followed, then you've wasted mm -hmm. taxpayer money. And I just stop there and wait for a reaction. And again, because it's about challenge and they, nod and feel the defense and then go yes okay got it and you know if i'm not coming back in what more can i do but if it's someone that i'm going to be seeing regularly i would definitely be saying i look forward to seeing that in the next lesson or i'm going to come back in at a particular time and i'd like to see it or i'll ask them to send me a video uh, or i'll ask them to you know i observed a lesson where the teacher had this mad complicated worksheet where they had like different grids and the students mm -hmm. had to match stuff up mm -hmm. from different sheets of paper and and it was just like chaos and it meant that there were so many procedural issues where kids who were trying to do the work just had yeah. no idea like physically what they were supposed to do. And I just said to him, I'm like, mate, like, it's just not, you know, and, and what I did is, is I said, I said, look, this is how I do exactly that. 
and, and I worked with him because it wasn't my subject. And I said, look, let's put this here. Let's put this in. Let's just do questions like this, like that, straight down the sheet. So you've got basically the same substantive stuff that you want the students to be doing. It's just cleaner and clearer. And he was like, yeah, perfect. Makes sense. I said, brilliant. Um, it's Tuesday today. Uh, when do you next see this class? And he's like, tomorrow. I'm like, great. Tomorrow morning, can you send me the worksheet that you're going to then use with that class? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And he did. And it was much better. Uh, and I said to him afterwards, I was like, how did it go? And he was like, they all did the sheet. It was wonderful. And I'm like, yeah, because, you know, it was cleaner and it was, you know, calmer and the procedures were kind of in place. It took him like three minutes to do, um, but it made a big difference to his lesson. So, yeah, there has to be follow up. There has to be some kind of accountability if you can't do it yourself. Um, so we're quite lucky in our school that we have, you know, SOT and an out of lessons the whole time. And we all speak very deliberately with one voice. So we have a department handbook. SOT walk in, they match us against the handbook. Like, oh, you know, you said that you're going to do a do now at the start of every lesson using carousel. There's no do now here. End of, end of story, right? That's, you've said you're gonna do it. Yeah, it's gotta be there. Um, and, and that helps as well. You, you know, I've to some places where SLT have radically different visions of what good teaching looks like, completely disagree. Um, they're at war with each other at times, uh, and there's, it's not a healthy environment for the development of teaching and learning. Uh, everybody's got to be on the same page. I observed, uh, observed one of our maths teachers recently, and I said, yeah, our maths, our maths department teaches mm. radically different to the way that I teach. And she did something in the lesson that I thought was, that I thought, I thought wasn't right. Uh, and I thought it meant that students didn't get X, Y, or Z. And, but I wasn't sure about it because I didn't want to conflict with their handbook. So I went to, uh, in this case it was Sammy um, and his co-head of department. And I said, this is what happened. Can we discuss it before I give her feedback? We sat and discussed it for about 45 minutes. The feedback, that bit of the lesson lasted about 30 seconds, right? But under no circumstances am I stepping on anybody's yeah, yeah. toes. It's not gonna happen. We have to speak with one voice. Uh, and if there's something I'm not sure about, you're damn right, I'm going to check it. You know, all of this is about, you know, it won't surprise listeners of the podcast to hear that I have ego problems. Uh, I'm f it's something that I'm fully aware of. I think the, the, big, the big difference between me and others isn't about magnitude of ego. It's about, it's about awareness. <laughs> yeah, like, like I, I, I know, it's been pointed out to me. Thankfully, I have a very kind and loving <laughs> wife who consistently points out to me when I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, and, and I have to work really, really hard to push that side of me away and just focus on the facts, focus on the evidence, try and avoid bias and try and just be relentless in focusing on improving teaching and learning with a keen eye to what, what achieves behavioural end, uh, what, what achieves behavioural change. And part of that is challenge and part of it is accountability. When we do CPD in school, we ask people, we do, we do homework, right? So I'm delivering CPD at the moment, we break up into small groups, I'm delivering CPD about modelling. The participants are expected to do a video of them modeling something and send it to me by a certain point and they will do and if they don't they get a very grumpy email right because you know it's in addition to my role i off you know i offer loads of help and support in advance i offer loads of additional time i i'm going to watch the videos over my weekend so that i can prepare the session and give them the most amount of time to get it to me like it it's not okay if they then don't send it to me right that level of accountability if it's not there you're wasting your time Good. It's good. Um, the, the kind of fifth and final stage of this, um, this kind of observation process is, is what happens if this is part of a kind of cycle of, of coaching and the way I want, we, we've kind of covered a lot of this. So I want to phrase this slightly differently, Adam. 
I want you to imagine three scenarios. One scenario is where you're brought in. um, Probably it's not going to be in your school for this particular scenario, but you're just going to work with a teacher. And the chances are you're only going to work with them once, okay, for whatever reason. They've had enough of you. you. You're gone after this. You're not coming back. The one you think of. You are too. <laughs> when you think of another scenario where you're probably coming back, but it's not going to be for a couple of months. You know, maybe you're going to go in that school. You know, three times a year. You know, once a term or something like that. And then another scenario, perhaps this is within your school, where you're going to be seeing those, that teacher pretty regularly. You may the next time you may see them may even be you know tomorrow or next week or whatever. Would the action steps you give them, would they differ in those scenarios? Would there be any any change to how you may kind of conduct that feedback meeting and, and the tasks you give them based on the frequency of when you're going to see them again? Yeah, for sure. The The first two I'd lump together. If I'm not going to see them again or if it's going to be two or oh, three okay. months. The only way to do that is to do it at department level. Interesting. Okay. You... you, you the, People won't do it unless there's yeah, follow-up. Yeah, yeah. If the follow-up can't come from me, then it has to come mm, from somewhere else. Mm. So in the implementation plans that I try and write with heads of department is things like, you know, we're going to put them, put people into pairs. You're going to observe yeah, them. Nice. You're going to observe them. This is specifically what you're going to look for. You're going to do a video. You're then going to do the cycle in, in a department meeting where you're going to discuss and do feedback and blah, blah, blah. I, I can't do that. I can't manage the process. I'm not mm. in the room, right? So I have to trust somebody else to do that. And I wouldn't write an individual action yeah. step. I would say we as a department, for example, are working on cold call. For the next fortnight, we're working on, so I'd write fortnight nice. one, nice. cold call. This is how we're doing, this is what a good cold call looks like. Here's some further reading. Teacher X is going to observe teacher Y. Teacher Z is going to observe teacher Q. And they are literally just going to be looking at cold call. You're then going to have a meeting at the end of that fortnight where you're going to feedback who did the good cold call, who did not do a good cold call, what was the effect of not mm. doing a good cold call, that kind of stuff. Um, because that's that's the only, in my experience, I'd love to hear if there's a better yeah. way of doing it, but in my experience, that's the only way I can play it because I'm, I'm not yes. in the room. I'm not in the room. That's good. I'm that makes a lot of sense. That's brilliant. Uh, right, Adam, I've got a few kind of big general questions about Oh, sorry. Oh, wait, I didn't ask yeah, your Yeah, there's a more frequent one. I, I, I kind of gathered you'd kind of cover that in previous answers, but if you want to address it explicitly, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's similar to what I said. It's, it's action step. I want to see yeah. this action step. Okay, but I always make sure that when, when I've seen that action step and I go into the lesson at the point where I'm going to see, where I should be able to see that action step, um, we, so I use Trello, which is yeah. like an app. And basically it means I've got a column where I've got just an action step. And once that action step's done, I move it to another column that says achieve nice. action steps and what that means is that we build up this like beautiful log of look at all these amazing things you've done mm. and often when i go into a lesson if i see that you know if I, it's so easy to focus on the point where things go wrong or where it's not quite right i say i said look let's have just let's i just want to have a quick look at how like how far yeah. you've come so i came in at the do now look at these six action steps that we've got about do nows that you've done in the past today this one you did it Today, yeah, this one, you did nice. it. Today, this one, you did it. Today, this one, you did it. Today, this one, you did it. This is where things went a bit awry. Let's let's build a new action step because this is what oh, happened. Right. Hypothesis, testing, blah, 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 blah. Right, but it's about a process of acknowledging I don't take this for granted. Yeah, you've done so much that's good. It's important that we note that at the outset. And, and it's funny, actually, one of the, one of the guys that I, that I trained, you know, I trained him for you know, two and a half years or whatever. I used to drive him mad. We'd sit down, he'd be like, right, as ever, 
they don't take it for granted let's start with all the good stuff you did and he's like adam can we just skip to the ebi and i said no <coughs> and i consistently and always said no because i don't take this stuff for granted i think it's brilliant what you're doing i want you to keep doing it and i want you to realize how far yeah. you've come <coughs> and i kept doing it he'd roll his eyes and deep down i knew he liked that's it good. that's good <laughs> trello's an amazing idea for you i've never i'm a big trello user but i never thought to use it for, for listing those out that's powerful that showing them where they've come that's yeah. good i'm going to use that yeah especially with trainees it's really good because you can also highlight them by like yeah, teacher standards so it means that later on in the year they can just and link in you could in the cards you could link into you know teach like a champion or whatever a video yeah, yeah, good, yeah, yeah exactly and you can also do if you have multiple action steps you know you might have you know, because you see these guys only once a week, and by the time they're finished their first mm -hmm. couple of months, it might be that you're giving them more than one action step a uh, week, yes, or there might yes. be one action step that's like slightly longer term. Um, and what I used to do is, is I'd have one that I called the yellow top. So it was the card that had, you can put a big yep. yellow banner on it, and I'd say, that is the thing, Good. okay? All this other stuff is important, I want you to be thinking about it, but if I don't see that thing, that's where we have a problem. So it allows you to prioritize and rank and set deadlines right. and stuff like I'm that. I'm doing well. that. That's excellent. That's excellent. Right. Couple of, couple of big questions, if that's okay, Adam. Um, let's. Yeah. Have you any advice for people who are being observed? We've talked a lot about how to be a better observer, a better coach. About people are being observed. If you know somebody's coming into your lesson, is there anything you'd want to speak to that person who's watching you about beforehand, or just just kind of see how it goes? I, look, it's it's so difficult because it's so context dependent and different people have, you know, if someone's observed, you know, if someone comes to me and says, Adam, I'm about to be observed, it's part of my three times a year performance management observation, I'm going to get graded, if it doesn't go well, I don't get a pay rise next year, etc, etc. Obviously, that's different to if someone says to me, oh, Adam, you know, um, Sammy's mm. coming in to observe mm. me, you know, just as part of a, mm. a drop-in, got any yeah, ideas, yeah. right? It's completely yeah. different it's a completely different thing and it might be that the observation i might say yeah just um go to test jobs and find a different place to work for the first guy and the second guy I might say um what did sammy ask you to think about last time right and they'll say oh well it was you know raising accountability during paired work they say okay so so how have you been doing that and they'll say well i did this and this and this and and, and is that going to happen in the next lesson they're like yeah i think so so what well, do you think it might go wrong if you do x y or z and they're like mm, probably so i say okay so let's make sure we do a b and mm. c and they're like yeah that's mm. a really good point they say okay great you know enjoy yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and move, move your ego to the side and and bathe in the dust at his feet and learn what he's got to say to you um but but and and then there's everything in between yeah that's fair right? enough that's fair enough you know, some, sometimes I literally say to people, look, if you, they say, I can't move school, I hate it, I get observed by people I don't respect. I say, fine, just, you just got to sit and nod your head yeah. and say thank you move and, and move on. That, fortunately, that happens less and less now. Um, but there's going to be a whole spectrum. Perfect. Well, th this is a... The key, th oh, sorry, the key oh. thing for me is, is I just try and park my ego. And, and, and I find it hard, right? I, I do, genuinely. And I, and I think we all do. But it's about going in you know we you know if a trainee comes to observe me right i expect them to give me feedback okay and if they don't give me feedback i will go and find them and ask for it right and and that's not an easy i don't think any experienced teacher find well maybe i don't know maybe others do i don't i don't find it easy um i don't find it easy because i'm 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 proud of my teaching i think i do a decent job and I'm like, oh, this guy's been teaching for six weeks or whatever. But then I go to them and they say, well, uh, um, 
you know, you did some really good cold call, but you missed one or two. And like, that's, that's useful feedback. Or kids put up their many whiteboards and I didn't notice that one of them made a particular mistake. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that's good feedback. Thank you. Right. And, and yeah, it, it's hard, but, but when you make that kind of deliberate effort, it's good for you and it's good for them. Perfect. Two more questions from me, Adam. Um, the first is you alluded to this early on, um, can a non-specialist give us useful feedback as a specialist or can they ever bring anything else to the table that may kind of be lost with kind of classic curse of knowledge or anything? Well, what's the role for non-specialists in observing? Well, I mean, do you not think, you know, if you were an English teacher and you went into that math teacher's lesson and the kids weren't doing the do now, do you think you can't notice that because you're an English teacher? That's, that's why the hypothesis model is so good, right? Because... Either the kid knows or is doing the right thing or yeah. they're not doing the right thing. Either they know the answer or they're not knowing the answer. Now, obviously, there's humility, right? And, and it might be that I go into an um, English lesson. I see a teacher doing a cold call and I think, great, they've done a cold call. But the content of the cold call wasn't great. Now, the first thing is, often I would notice, yeah, because if it's key stage three, like, I'm, I'm fairly... I think most, most people, if they're in charge of teaching and learning, if they're observing lessons, should be able to get a grip over a year seven, eight or nine lesson in the majority of subjects, right? Yeah, 10, 11, sixth form maybe is a different story. Um, you do have to show, show some humility and there are some things that you need to check as well. You know, when I did um, uh, like this MFL lesson that I observed, right? So, so the kids were working in pairs on their speaking stuff for their exam, year 11. And um, they weren't like really pushing each other. So one kid was asking the question, the other kid was giving an answer. And I was like, I was like, they're not pushing mm -hmm. them further to like explain or go further. And, but, but, but this is crucial. I didn't know if they were supposed to. So I said to the guy I was observing, I said, I said, this is not like, this is not part of feedback. I want to know. It's something that I noticed. Yeah. Should they be pushing each other further? And he said, most of the kids, probably not. The kids who are at the eights and nines, probably yes. And at that point I say, it's okay, fine. So we have to like, I'm not gonna necessarily give feedback that it wasn't yes. done the right way because like I have some humility around that. I don't, I don't know. But like there's a, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that you can observe. And sometimes, sometimes it does get a bit spicy as well. You know, I observed a, I observed a design and technology teacher who, um, oh, there's a pendulum here, isn't there? It used to be all about the generic. Then for me, certainly it swung all about the curriculum yep. specificity. If you're not a subject specialist, yeah, don't come yeah, into yep. my classroom. I'm now somewhere in the middle. Uh, and I observed this D&T teacher and you know, all the usual stuff about cold call, whatever, which I see by the way, in pretty much every lesson I go to, regardless of subject, yeah, instructions that could mm -hmm. be clearer, cold call that could be better, many whiteboards that could be used, all of this stuff that is generic and, and, and works. And um, he was doing this thing where, where the students were designing a chair. They had to move through a series so, of stages. So first they do just a sketch on the more paper, then they do a plan diagram with measurements, then they have to get a piece of card and they have to draw mm. the panels, right? And then cut the panels out and build it into a physical cardboard chair. And he was, what he'd done well, which is he'd done each step, he'd planned to do it step by step. So get the kids to do one step, then explain, do the next step, then explain, do the next step, then explain. But the flaw was that he'd asked them to design their own chairs, right? So it wasn't a common mm. chair design. And every kid was doing something different. And it meant that everything that he was modeling didn't yeah, apply okay. to lots of the students. And there were 
tons yeah. of questions. Yeah. How do I do this? How do I do that? Kids who had done really elaborate diagrams, things that were, and he was basically going student to student helping each one. And while he was doing that, everybody else was sitting around the dossing, right? And I said to him, I, I, I said, look, th th this is what happens. And he's like, he's like, He's like, yeah, but that's that's how I have to do it. And I'm like, why? He goes, because that's what design and technology mm. is, that people make their mm. own designs. And I said, look, I, I don't want, look, I'm a science teacher, yeah? I don't know D&T, and I don't want to, like, muscle in on the disciplinary yeah. integrity here. But what you did didn't work, yeah. right? For, for about 50 minutes of that lesson, out of the class of 20 students, for about 50 minutes, at any given point, 15 of them weren't doing anything. You can keep your ideological purity as much as you can, as much as you like, but the simple fact is that those students yeah. weren't doing anything. I, 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 I find it difficult to believe that you're happy with that. And he was like, he was like I guess I'm not. And I was like, okay, so yeah. what can we do next time? He's like, I don't know. I said, I said is it, it's not, I, me personally, if it were me, I would have just done one chair, one chair that everybody does together. And then after that, step by step, and then after that say, now do it for your own design or whatever. And then they broadly know the steps. There's most of it that's, that's already in play. And you can then go from student to student and help them safe in the knowledge that other students are still going to be getting on with it and understand what they need to do next. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that works. That makes sense. Like, you know, curriculum purists would say to me, well, you should never have done that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the yeah. proof is in the pudding, right? If a kid is sat there not doing anything, yeah, I, like, what, I'm supposed to ignore that yeah. because I'm not a yeah. D&T teacher? No, that's good. That's good. Ooh, yeah, okay. No, I'm on board with that. Right, last one from me, Adam. So just to kind of bring this full circle, so what, what happened for me was the very start of my career, I was observed lots, as early careers teachers are, and then, uh, but at that stage, again, the feedback I was getting wasn't brilliant and so on and so forth. Now I'm at this stage of my career, I'm observing lots and I've never learned more as a teacher. I don't know if you find this, Adam, but there's, there's, there's no better CPD yeah. than just watching teachers in different contexts, at different levels of experience, different styles teach. And you find these common ingredients of, of what works, you spot trends. I just, it, it blows my mind. People, yeah, I, I learn far more from those visits than, than anybody does from me. I absolutely love it. But my fear is, and I'm interested how they do this uh, at Totteridge, that it's your heads of department who watch lessons, and maybe it's your ECTs who sometimes get to watch lessons as part of like you know an ECT program or whatever. But your teachers have been teaching for kind of four or five years. That, that's it's not going to be a regular part of their diet in the majority of schools. Whereas we know watching other teachers is such a beneficial thing. So how does it work at TTA? Do, do, do you get around that problem at all? We don't have it correct. I don't, uh, teacher is on a full yeah, exactly. teaching timetable, 22 out of yep. 25. You say to them, go observe someone uh, in what imagine every yeah. time. So it's a, t it's a very tough nut to crack. We try and do videos. Um, we encourage it. We praise it when it does happen. If I've observed someone and I think there is a key element of someone's practice that I think they would benefit from going to see somebody else, I will often instruct them. Yeah, and, and again, like I'm not their line manager, but I'll say, I'd like you to go and observe X. And I'll say, okay, I can do that. I say, okay, when are you gonna do that? And they're like, uh, I don't know. Like, can we just have a look at your timetable now and book it in? And they're like, yeah, okay, fine. And that yeah. increases the chances by which it happens. And then I'll check back in with them. I say, oh, how did you, you know, how did you find Emma's lessons? She's amazing, isn't she? Like, yeah, yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed blah, 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 blah. And I also learned that I need to do da, 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 da. Mm. Beautiful, move on. But it's a, it's a very tough nut to crack. Okay. 
I don't no, have a good that's answer. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Right, Adam. Well, we've done two hours on um, observing and coaching. Well, as ever, I've learned loads. So let, let me hand over to you, Adam, because we, you've left us kind of two little teasers at the start here. I want a carousel update from you, please. And then I want to know a little bit about this secret project. So over to you. Uh, cool. Thank you. So carousel, um, as you know, is this online quizzing retrieval program. Uh, and the main thing we've been working on recently is, is first thing is, is uptake has just ballooned you know so many teachers so many schools so many quizzes uh we've started getting multi-academy trusts um working with us uh entire local authorities wow. who've taken on for all of their schools um <clears throat> and the thing that you know i guess the thing that i've been doing most is is working on content so trying to help provide stuff for teachers so we've just released like carousel for english which has got six gcse texts 300 questions on each one written by like these just brilliant English teachers um, and also working really hard on like the teaching and learning aspect so we're very very cognizant of the fact that nothing works without teacher mm -hmm. input and without teacher training so we work really hard to make sure that we are developing and spreading knowledge so our users our teachers our community they feed back to me they say this worked this didn't work I can then spread that out and talk to other teachers other heads of department that kind of thing and we're also currently working on um, some big features around analytics, so being able to better drill down into what your students are doing. But then after that, we're going to start doing some um, really cool stuff around um, spacing, basically. So how we get the program to work with the teacher to figure out the questions that they should nice. be asking. Uh, and it's going to be very, very cool, uh, but also very unorthodox. The way we're doing it is very different to the way that you would expect us to be doing it. And the reason for that is because we want to keep the teacher in the driving trust. We are we we want we want the program to do some heavy lifting, but fundamentally we believe that if the teacher isn't in control of the process, it won't work. Wow. Okay. That There's is a teaser. good teaser. And teaser number two, Adam. So I mean, what is the secret you, it's so secret you can't tell us what the project is, right? Yeah, Craig, do you, do you not understand no, what the word do, secret but, means? But you, I mean, I know you're a math teacher. If you te there, but you're teasing something that's secret. You've got to give us something. Give us, give us something. It's, it's this, uh, I'm, okay, I'm working on two secret projects. One is science-specific okay. and is going to absolutely <laughs> blow the minds of the science teaching community. Um, I'm working on it with a bunch of other teachers. It's so okay. cool. Um, and more of that in due okay. course. Um, the other one is, is, is about this, it's about observations and leading teaching and learning um, and I'll have an update soon hopefully, um, time is precious as you know uh, and there is, if anyone is interested in knowing more about that or more about, um, you know, I've, I'm, I'm very lucky, I've put on some webinars this year that, that lots of people have joined and signed up to so if anyone is interested in those, um, is it okay if you put a put link in the show notes and you can just put your email address in, nothing more, I promise I won't spam you and then as soon as I can talk more about it then then you'll get email. amazing adam well there'll be links to all the things we've spoke about uh, there will be timestamps as well and these will be available eventually as videos as well i'll chop them up but adam oh, i should have put some makeup on <laughs> uh, we need to re-record i'll also have to do some editing clean up some of your foul language throughout the conversation so that's going to that's going to take yeah, some time as well um 
that's part of the game. But as always, Adam, this this has been a real pleasure. We've we've taken some deep dives on some big topics over the last few years, and yeah, I always come away with with food for thought. I've been challenged both pedagogically and on my own ego here today, so that's that's never a bad thing. So, Adam Boxer, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time today. Cheers, Craig. So, there you go. There was my conversation with the wonderful Adam Boxer. He's good, hey? Um, I learnt loads from that, and it was great just to have an opportunity both to reflect on my own coaching process, to have an opportunity to kind of talk that through out loud, and then reflect on Adam's challenges to that, and go away and think about what I need to change and improve, and so on. So, there's been a number of things I've been thinking about, about how I observe and and how I coach um, since my conversation with Adam. The first thing is I really like his emphasis on making it a positive experience, not just by starting with things that the teacher did well. And by the way, on that, I really like that idea that he gets a little bit mad with the teacher if they can't list a load of things that they've they've done well, because he really wants them to focus on those positive things. So I really like that. And that's definitely something I'm gonna I'm gonna be building into my feedback process um, a lot more explicitly going forward, involving the teacher in drawing out those positive things, because it's just as important the teacher can pick out the positives as they can pick out the areas that they need to develop as well. So I, I really, really like that. But the other bit that has been a bit of a game changer to me as well, and I like the concrete example Adam used um, with this, is say framing all the changes that we are suggesting teachers make as part of the observation and feedback process framing them as kind of making sure teachers the effort that they're putting in and all the good stuff they're doing is actually hitting home so i really like the the example adam used based on mine where the guy I was observing, who was doing a brilliant explanation about the volume of a cone, everything he was saying was great, but he wasn't getting bang for buck for it because not all the kids were listening and paying attention. So the way I should have phrased that to get that a bit better, I think, in the feedback session was, your explanation was fantastic. Now, what we want to make sure is that every single student benefits from this explanation, for all the effort you've put in, or the expertise you're bringing towards this explanation. We want everybody to benefit from that. So... How are we going to make that happen? Well, we've got to make sure everybody's paying attention, empty hands, eyes to the front, and so on and so forth. So I really like that, finding the positive in what the teacher's doing, and then kind of using that positive as a catalyst, as kind of to, you know, the impetus to make the change. I I thought that was really, really powerful. Um, I also just wanted to take the opportunity in this uh, kind of takeaway um, session at the end of the podcast, just to kind of lay out my my process where I'm currently at for my observations, because I didn't want to hog, hog, the, hog, hog the chat too much. This was about Adam sharing his, but I'll just tell you from start to finish what I do, if, if that's okay. And if you want to tune out, feel free, um, but I'll just chat for a couple of minutes on this. So um, it's really interesting. I get lots of opportunities to work with, work with schools these days all, all around the country. And what I used to do, it was very much, um, well, firstly, a couple of years ago, all I would do is just go in and and deliver training. So there's like a list of kind of now 10 different areas that I kind of deliver CPD on, on my Tips for Teachers website. 
And schools would just pick one of those or two of those and I'd come in and deliver training and it was fine. But the problem with that is I had no idea if it was making any impact whatsoever. Because um, I'd just go away, drive home at the end of the day thinking, oh, job done there. But I, I, unless I got invited back, um, I had no idea whether you know any change was happening at all. Um, and the other thing about it, the other kind of problem with, with doing it that way was that I was kind of relying on the teacher to be able to kind of translate my ideas to their context, which again is okay, but it's going to be quite a challenge that because I can only describe things from either my point of view or my point of view that I've seen in other contexts, but every context of course is unique. So I shifted models um, about a year or so ago and I started then going into schools and uh, in the morning, I would watch as many lessons as, uh, as possible, just dipping in 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, sometimes going to the start of a lesson, then going out for a bit, then coming back into the middle and the end to see where that lesson's going. And I'd look for trends. And then what I would then do in the afternoon is get the whole department together and we'd work on one big area and it might be checking for understanding. And I'd highlight all the great checks for understanding I'd seen throughout the day, but then pick an area, a specific thing that we could work on. Or it might be use of whiteboards or cold call or retrieval practice or something like that. But the key is the whole department would be working on one area together. And that's definitely got an advantage to it because it allows for collaboration. It allows for joint planning. It allows for reflection. But the problem with it is that every teacher's got different needs. So what I've started doing now, I still do that model, but I'll kind of just start that model initially. And then when I come back for day two or day three, I'll shift more to this, this individual coaching approach. And this is working really well. Um, I, mean, I mean, I don't know if it's working well for the people I'm coaching, but I'm flipping loving it. I'll tell you that much because it's amazing to, to, firstly, it's a privilege, right? To watch anybody teach. It's an absolute privilege. I learned so much from it. But then to kind of set myself this challenge of, of trying to find this area that they could improve in this, this and, and make it as practical as possible. What's the technique? What's the change that they could make? Form this hypothesis, gather this critical evidence of it, and then work on this, this, this change together in the feedback session. And what's been really, really nice um, about this is that let's say, you know, day one as a department, we've worked on checking for understanding. When I come back day two and day three, one teacher has perhaps kind of honed in on using diagnostic questions for their check for understanding. Another teacher is using mini whiteboards more for their checks for understanding. Another teacher is gambling with call and response or cold call or something like that. So every I can work with individual teachers on the areas that they've chosen to work with. And what's lovely about it, this is the best thing, they then become really proficient at that thing they've chosen to work on. And then, of course, they can help upskill the rest of the department on it whenever they come to observe each other and so on and so forth. So I'm really, really enjoying this, this coaching process. I like going in there and um, this, as I said uh, in the conversation with Adam, the absolute game changer for me has been this hypothesis critical evidence combo because it, re it, it brings a bit of objectivity to the feedback session that wasn't there before for me. I'd be talking in rather vague terms and like it was quite hard sometimes to get teacher buy-in but when you confront them with objective evidence, whether it's a photograph, whether it's a quote by a student, whether it's a quantity such as like the number of students who'd completed work or the number of students who had their hand up or something like that, there's kind of no arguing with that. And certainly I found and for the vast majority of the coaching sessions, it's when the critical evidence is presented 
that you get the teacher buy-in. That's when they're on board with it and wanting then to, to learn how to make the change and work together to make the change. And then we do that joint planning and then it's just gold dust. If you can then go in the next day or whenever it is to see that change being made. And as I say, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, so if you're interested in more of that, that kind of work that I do, if you go onto Tips for Teachers and click on the CPD link, I've put a, put a, like a, a big list of all the things that, that I do with maths departments and CPD sessions in general. And there's, there's a coaching section section down there if, if, if you're interested. Um, right. So I'll tell you what, it's lovely to be back doing this Mr. Bart Maths podcast. Um, again, I love the tips for teachers. I'm going to keep the tips for teachers going. I like that nice tight format, but I also like the looseness of this podcast. I can just keep chatting as I, as, you, as you're discovering here, right? Hey, I don't know if anybody's even still listening to this. Um, and as I say, I'm going to try and put together a few more episodes, not as frequent as I used to do. So I've got two kids now and they tend to sap up a bit of my time, but I certainly want to do a series of these how-tos. So we've done how to observe a lesson. Um, I've got a few more up my sleeve that I think you're going to absolutely, absolutely love. So stay tuned for those. Um, as I say, if you want to support my work, head to Tips for Teachers. There's a few things you can do there. You can buy my book if you find that useful. Um, if you have read it and you, you liked it, if you could leave a review, that'd be great. If you didn't like it, just keep keep your opinions to yourself. Uh, that'd be great as well. Um, I've got some online CPD sessions you can sign up for. Um, and there's the Patreon page where if you want an interactive transcript of this episode, um, you can sign up for a few quid a month to, to get access to that as well. Or details for everything will be in the show notes. You can find those. Anyway, I'll shut up now. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. it helps spread the word about this podcast. It's so nice to be back. I'm only doing it uh, because people listen to it and, and seem to find it useful. So um, I really hope that's the case. You take care of yourself. Bye for now.